Welcome to Cowhorse, Full Contact by Ben Self, with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. This episode brought to you by Triple Crown Feed, Always Beyond. All right, well, welcome everybody to Cowhorse Full Contact. We've got uh, we've had Clayton Edsel here as a cameo guest several times, but today he gets his own day. This is all about Clayton today. I'm Chris Dawson. I got Russell Dilday here to my left. I got Ben Self fresh out of his Chick-fil-A uniform here to my right, and I'm looking across the table at Clayton. So welcome, and I hope you all enjoy. Uh, thanks, I know. You thought you'd have brought me. us some Chick-fil-A, wouldn't you? You're right. Employee discount. Yeah. What the heck? I didn't know he worked at Chick-fil-A. little dipping sauce? We're going to add that to his farmers only <laughs> profile. Tender. Yeah, I mean, not only can he uh, raise chickens, but he yeah. can cook the burgers too. Well, yeah. you got to be careful. You'll get the fluffy ones wanting the discount. <laughs> Are you, you're well, hung up. I Russell, know. I was Russell a little hung up. Who hung put up? a hole right in the middle of our table? Ben did. Mm. I probably he doesn't even get to work the counter yet. You know, he's just in the he's back. He's in the back, yeah. Short order. It's like the Wizard of Oz. He's the tallest, tallest short order cook. <laughs> they you call know, him a tall order cook. If you guys would start doing better interviews, he might not have to have a side gig, huh? He better not lose it. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, if you people like these interviews, <clears throat> we are uh, going to experiment with a new format. And it's going to be called Cow Horse Full Contact Plus. And so stay up to date on the website, and Ben will keep you up to date on how that's going to work. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be really cool, I think. So Yeah, and then we'll give his phone number out, and you can call him. He'll tell you how to get it. Yeah, yeah. And if you're technologically not savvy and you're thinking to yourself, oh, my goodness, please don't make this hard to listen to, like, don't worry about it. We'll call Ben. Ben, what's your phone number? Russell, you know Ben's phone number off I the hand? I know it now. Oh, I thought I, you had it memorized. Me. I, you changed. Oh. What is it, Ben? This is taking too long. See, this is why we need tech assistance. Yeah. <laughs> 940-443-1187. That's a number for Ben Self, and you can uh, rewind that. And text him. And so any complaints you have about any of our quality, audio quality or content quality, you can just call Ben Direct. <laughs> or if you're having trouble signing up for Cow Horse Full Contact Plus, give Ben a shout. He's free. He doesn't have a girlfriend. Unless it's during working hours. As long as he's not on, the, on duty at Chick-fil-A. We're yeah, trying to maybe get... Maybe they'll let him wear a headset there. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the back. He doesn't have to take orders. You can, you can be Bluetoothing while you're deep frying that chicken. <laughs> Can't believe you didn't bring any. <laughs> All right. So, Clayton, here we are. Hey, and what about Jay Winborn and Callie hooking us up with this sweet recording room here at the NCHA fraternity? Right here in the belly of the beast. We've got our we've got our own bar and bathroom, big screen television. When's that waitress coming back around? I don't know. Any minute. Any minute, surely. <laughs> Call Jay. <laughs> I know. And it's easy to pick up big-time riders because they just um, were sitting there watching the bubble. 
That's it. That, hey, <laughs> no. nailed it. I know who wasn't it. watching the bubble. This guy. <laughs> one big time writer, one host. <laughs> <laughs> so, Clayton, you uh, were here at the show. Yep. You had a great first run. Yeah. 18 and a half, riding for Bo Gallion. Yes, sir. I want Alvin Fultz. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And then. Middle of the road, second half. Yeah. Um, so at least you didn't clutch quit. <laughs> <laughs> I did everything but that. I think. Um, yeah. So I went. Uh, I was in the the last set, the first go. Um, oh, I don't even know what day it is anymore. But and then uh, and then I drew up last set of the second go, and so on the first day. So I kind of turned around, went back to back, and. And uh, yeah, she was she was good the first the first go eighteen and a half and uh, and then I was later I was second to last in that last bunch and and so we uh, you know the old story we picked picked some good cattle and my my second cow we picked you know early on liked her and and she was she was good but she's a lot of cow and and uh, just kept coming to me kept coming to me and. And I wanted to get off her, and I just she never did. She never would turn away. And man, she she went bad. She got good, and then she went bad again. I knew I couldn't <laughs> hold her, you know. And so I had uh, I got off, and I had maybe maybe eight seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I I tried to trot in there and chip, and didn't you know didn't work. And uh, so I was fourteen and a half. So I'm I'm trying not to pay attention to that bubble so much you know (laughs) yeah take 18 hits in six sets that's three sets three (laughs) horses per set and the nice thing is is there's three sets tomorrow so oh it's not just over today no that's lucky (laughs) no So, so is this your first year showing here yes it is yep so your first run in the Will Rogers one-handed at the cutting thirty, you mark an eighteen and a half. Wow. Well, I did have I had another catch ride. Um, Alvin called me, and I was in California, and he said, "Hey, would you uh, would you be interested in a catch ride?" And so I said, "Man, I I I mean I you know I went to Vegas, I went to Reno, I come down here on the way home." So yes, I'd love a catch ride, please. <laughs> well, I end up in Idaho, <laughs> and then I get back from Idaho, and I think, man, I'm finally done. And then I realize the last qualifying show for February is in Tulare that next weekend. So I spend like three days at home, and then I go to Tulare, and I get home, and uh, first day home, first or second day home, Alvin calls, hey, hey, do you want catch ride for down here? man i i've always really wanted to to cut especially you know here and so i said man i i think i'm gonna have to i think i'm gonna have to pass i i really really want to do it but i'm I'm gonna have to pass so anyway i'm talking to chelsea oh a couple hours later and i said hey you'll never guess uh alvin called me a catch ride one for you know that he's got with Bo, and she—I mean, she was great. She's like, "You have to do it. You got to go. 
you got to go. I think it's because she likes me better when I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> so Distance I'm, makes the heart grow fonder. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, are you but sure? But don't you miss me? Yeah, don't you want me around? She's like, no, you just go. You just go take as much time as you possibly need and just go. You should go now. Yeah. So If you don't make the finals, you should stay and watch them. <laughs> yeah, that's what she's saying. Isn't there any horses you're interested in out there? Maybe you should watch the sales or something. Yeah. So anyway, I call uh, Alvin back, and I, I said, hey, um, I'd yeah, I'd, I'd do it, you know. And he said, well, let me make sure he isn't given that spot away and so it took took a day or so and and uh he said we'd be happy to have you so i here i am that's awesome you enjoyed the experience thus far it it's been uh it's been outstanding bo and ashley have been i mean they've been great um it's it's funny because when I'm here for the snaffle bit, it doesn't seem like you ever have a free moment to go and do anything. You're always doing something. And if you're not doing something, you're trying to get some sleep or you're just, and, uh, you know, so I've been, I've been busy and participating, you know, practice pin and working and going to bows and stuff like that. But I've had some time to look around. I've really had, uh, some time to visit with people and I've been, I've been overwhelmed by how many people are come up, shake you, shake my hand, introduce themselves if I don't know them, or just just visit. And it, it's been outstanding. It's really been great. You didn't know you were that big a deal. I didn't know people were so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is the biggest thing you take away from? showing in that pin that you think will help you back in the cow horse? Well, I guess I'd have to give it some thought, but I do think that it's helped the, I think that it's helped showing down here in the cow horse. So it's not quite such a big, um, maybe a big change, you know, I mean, I can remember the first time I went to Reno, you know, I got there and that big arena and everybody's loping around and I get in there and I look around, and I'm like, whoa, I'm doing it, you know? So there was a lot of things that were familiar as far as just knowing where show offices in the same spot. I learned that, but <laughs> you know, just, just knowing, I mean, just simple stuff, parking, things like that. Um, but I don't know. It's a big confidence builder, just getting in there and actually and actually cutting and being successful a little bit. And so, um, maybe just overthinking it a lot, you know. Just seeing how it's just your horse learning to go with the cow. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that goes in between that, but you, you understand what I mean? Cause no. Chris, you've showed in there a bunch and, and I think we get so caught up in different training techniques and this and that. And, you know, I mean, at a certain point, your horse just has to stop, go with the cow, you know? Right. No, it's darn sure. When you go, you gotta throw your hand <laughs> down right there. It, 
you find out how much you've been relying on yourself there at the house, you mm -hmm. know? And I don't know, people ask me that about coming down here and it's like, well, really the best thing for me about showing in the cuttings is you have to be more, so much more precise with your cut. Oh, one handed. 100%. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have, yeah. I mean, your thought process as far as walking through the cows with five foot of rain draped out and walking through there and like, I've got to have to put my hand down on this cow here in a second. Yeah. Like I better have him in a good spot. Yep. And if I don't, I, I just burn my whole entry fee. Yep. And it's so much more about that. I think that for me is the biggest difference that I feel and probably the biggest change that I've felt in how I show my cow horses is showing these has really helped me yeah. learn how to walk through the herd. Although you couldn't tell it when I showed my first one the other day, <laughs> but whatever, you just own it. You know what I mean? Like there's no hiding from it. You know, it's what gets me too is like, you'll have people be like, Oh, well it's political. It's political. I'm like, you hear that in every event. And the people that I hear, when I hear people talk about something being political, I'm like, well, they must not be very good. And that's the first thing that trips in my mind if somebody tells me that something's too political. I'm like, well, you must not be very good. Because I'm not going to say that it got, you know, that a guy's, that them judges' pencils aren't a little sharper when one guy walks in than when they, somebody else walks in. Sure. But those people that maybe the pencil's a little sharper for, they've done it a long time and they do it really good. Yep. Like they've earned the respect of those judges that, Hey, I expect this person to do good. Yeah. And so, you know, and so that's, you know, I don't know. I feel like I hear a little more of that at these one event. I won't, I won't uh, single out the cutting, you know, I mean the rain and the same thing. I feel like you hear more of that at the cuttings and the rainings. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. I mean, how you say, so, I challenge people to, that are listening that, uh, you know, if you find yourself talking about things being political, maybe you should just get better. Yep. Yeah, and I think it's hard. I mean, when you have, um, when you have five judges, I think what people tend to forget, <clears throat> excuse me, is it's okay. It's their opinion. And so you're going to end up with a run that might look quite a little different being at the same score. But you have to realize that there's two scores that got thrown out. And so just because, just because somebody's opinion didn't match with somebody else's opinion, I mean, you, you, you compare those two scores – it's not the same two judges that got thrown out right. is, is what I'm saying. And I think a lot of times people get caught up and, and they look at their scorecard and they go, well, this judge marked me a 73 and this one marked me a 71. How, how can that be different? It's okay to be different, <clears throat> especially, especially in a five point in a era. I'm five sorry, judge. in a five judge deal. And um, they were all going to mark it the same. We'd only need to hire one. Exactly. Exactly. So there has to be, I think there, there does have to be that. I know it's, I know it's um, a little disheartening when you do look at them judges sheets and I try not to just because, I mean, I, I'm, 
I'm probably more critical of myself than than most judges. Um, but it's okay to have a difference of opinion, you know. Would you guys agree? Oh, on absolutely. That? Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times, you go look at that judge's sheet and you saw, say, "Those sorry pot lickers. Yeah. How could they mark me that low?" And then you caution, and then you walk over to the video deal and you watch that and you say, "How did they mark me that high?" Right. <laughs> that, that's what I. A lot of watch. times, a lot of times, you go watch that video. And all that stuff you thought you felt, yeah, it didn't show up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've shared this story on here before, but God bless Randy Fowler. He was judging NRBC, and I was working for Carol, and I showed this horse, and I run in my first stop, and I end up marking like 17 and a half or something, and like I'm a point out of the intermediate finals or something like that. And I'm like, look at my card, and I'm like, plus half, plus half, plus half on the first stop. And a zero. And a minus half. My Randy Fowler, he's a jerk. <laughs> What'd I ever do to him? I went and watched the video. And I, I stewed on it for a couple days before I watched the video, though, right? I watched that video, and I'm like, where in the world did these guys come up with a plus half on this first maneuver? Because that's a minus half. I went, I was judging the reigning derby, and Randy Fowler was outside the Skirvin Hotel in Oklahoma City smoking a cigarette. And I walked up to him, and I says, Mr. Fowler, sir, I need to apologize to you. And he was like, why? I was like, because I cussed you something fierce until I watched my video at this NRBC that was like three years prior. And I'm like, but you were the only one there that got it right. Has that has that delayed playback been the biggest game changer? Remember when you, you used oh, to yeah. have to walk up and sit two days later, you'd finally be over your mad on and go sit and watch your video, or else you'd be all excited. I'm going to go buy that video. That was a great run. And you're like, ooh, I ain't buying that. <laughs> I don't want nobody to see that. Hey, I don't know if it's good or bad, because you yeah. tell me if you've had this experience, Clayton, but if, when I watch that run right after, like if I thought it was good, I still think it was good. Like even if I watch it, yeah. And then I watch it like the next day, and I'm like, why did I think that looked good? Yeah. I mean, it's shocking to me how different that video will look in yeah. 24 hours. Oh yeah, and that's the worst why. is when it's really bad, and someone's standing behind you waiting for their run. Yeah. And you're like, don't even, don't I'm watching. This is my don't watch this. Yeah. How do I just want to see how far I drug it? How'd you do? I was at 12. Oh, I was at 23 and a half. Oh. <laughs> Would you maybe just walk away for a minute while I just finish up? Avert your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> while don't. I kick this brick wall. Yeah. <laughs> No, I won't. I really try not to comment on my run until I've watched it, you know. And there's no, there's no playback here at the cutting, but they send them to you, you know. And so, oh, that's yeah. crazy. Mm -hmm. I do like that because then you can just forward them to your customers or yeah, yeah. And the cow, the cow horse has been doing that. Oh, and yeah. that's a that's a great sponsor uh, deal. I know Scooter Cat's done it. Yeah. I think I think Linda, we did it with Traveling Jones. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. Michelle Cannon did it with Outlaw. It's and outstanding. It's a, it's a very good. It's a really great sponsorship opportunity. Yeah, and it's a very handy feature. Yeah. So usually, as soon as I'm done, you know, I'll I'll call Chelsea and you know we'll 
either good job or do better next time, you know. But it's so, I won't, I try not to comment on my run till I see it, you know, because there's so many things that, I mean, just small things that a guy ends up missing or thinking, thinking he did. I mean, you know, hell, we all know, but anyway. Yeah, that, that playback's been a game changer, especially when I first got started because uh, I pretty much just black out through the whole run. You know? <laughs> and I was just excited if they give me a score, you know, and then and then I'll just recoup from there, you know. <laughs> I used to have to watch my videos to know what color my cow was going down the fence. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'd, I'd start out, I'd be like, well, that, that – that second red cow, and then I'd watch the video, and it was white. And like, <laughs> Man, maybe I better just shut up till I just see what I actually done, you know? Who is that? I don't even remember wearing that shirt. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's a dumb-looking hat. <laughs> so, speaking of starting out, where did you get born at? I was born in Bozeman, Montana. Oh. Yeah. Cold uh, country. Yeah, real cold. I was uh October baby, so yeah, it was probably tick icy maybe. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah, my grandpa, uh Earl Stuckey, so my mom's my mom's dad run a ranch uh the Flying D and it was on the it was it was close to Bozeman on the Madison Madison River, big big ranch. Ted Turner owns it now, but uh it was a big ranch and then uh my dad worked for my grandpa and then met met my mom and so then they, they got married and that's where we were me and my brother, that's where we were born, Bozeman. How uh, what year? When were you born? Uh eighty model, nineteen eighty. Was Roy older or younger? Older, four years. Was he that much older? Yep. Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah, 76 if I remember correctly, yeah. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I thought, that was, I thought it was vice versa, really. Uh, I, um, thought, I knew Roy was older. I just I was thinking it was two for some reason. Yeah, no, four years older. You're 10 years younger than me. Ah, dang. Is that it? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Is Damn, that, you look good, Clayton. Is that, God dang, is that what 10 years is going to do to me? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Your hair should start falling out right now if it's going to catch up in 10 years. Well, it's funny because my, uh, my grandpa on my mom's side, he's been bald since he was 19. And my grandpa on my dad's side had so much freaking hair in his 60s and my dad had lots of hair my brother already starting to go yes. bald you know yep. so i so you know they say that hair deal kind of skips around but uh yeah unfortunately they thin my hair when when they cut it not unfortunately i mean especially sitting where you're at but uh, <laughs> but yeah they cut my hair and thin it so it's kind of funny. Got the good mop. That's right. That's right. Both of you losers. How old are you? I'm an 81 model. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You're 
old. I know. Mm. I know. I just aged well. That's why everybody <laughs> thinks I look. I'm so young. <laughs> Immature. All that clean living. <laughs> yeah, right. Good clean, clean living, living. paying off right there. <laughs> yeah. green, green juice and yoga in the morning and Yeah, I've seen your yeah. yoga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Where are my boots? <laughs> I do it I do it real early in the morning sometimes when I yeah, can't, somebody can't, help get these covers off. <laughs> can't, can't find things. Yeah. So uh your dad worked for your grandpa. Yep. Where was your mom's family? I mean, where was your dad's family from? <laughs> so my dad's family, uh, Edsel's, they were in eastern Montana in Jordan. Mm. And so um, I don't know if you guys know where Jordan, Montana is, but uh, it's, it's, you know, way east, um, north of, like, Billings, that area. Mm. And so... Uh, my my grandma on my dad's side was also from Jordan, and uh, I forget how many brothers and sisters on each side, but it was during the Depression, and so they, I mean, they grew up, they grew up tough, you know, cabin, I say cabin, maybe, I mean, it was their house, but dirt, you know, dirt floors and whatnot, and so... Um, when my grandpa and grandma left, then they went to Sheridan, Montana. And so when they, when they left Jordan, they left for good. I mean, it took them, it was, from what I understand, it was, it was a very, especially during the Depression, it was a very rough upbringing. And so when they finally got enough money to get out of there, they, they got out of there and went to Sheridan, Montana. And so... Uh, I mean, that was the time when, uh, you know, the gas shortages and things like that. And my grandma, my grandma had a sister that was born with a club foot. And she had to go to Billings to get this, you know, there's a surgery. I'm not, I'm not up to it, but I just remember these stories from when I was younger. And uh, you had, you had a ticket or a coupon that would allow you to buy so much gas. And so <clears throat> it took it took X amount of gas to get to Billings to take her to the doctor to get the surgery done on her foot. And uh, the whole community saved up their tickets and, you know, they collected enough fuel tickets so they could buy, you know, to get her to get to the hospital and get home. And so... It was, um, yeah, I think it was, it was a different, it was damn sure a different time. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, did you get to know them very much? Did you know your grandparents a lot? I mean, they were around. Yeah, real well. Yep. Yeah. So when, um, so when my, when Earl Stuckey, when he left the Flying D, he leased a place that they own now in Avon, Montana. And so then from there, my parents went a couple different places, but then they ended up running a ranch in Sheridan, Montana for, for a guy. And then we, we had our own cows. And so then my, my grandparents, my dad's parents lived there in Sheridan. So we were around them 
mm. quite a bit more so than uh, than my mom's parents till later on. But yeah. So, um, how how much difference? Well, quite a lot. The difference between count ranching and that cold country, mm-hmm. and then when you came to California, was that when I met you? Was that kind of the first time out of the cold country, or not? Yeah. Um, so, so to back up just a little bit. So when my when my grandpa was at the Flying D, he was introduced to Ray Hunt, Tom Dorns, and. Buck Branneman is, uh, he's a, um, his foster brother, Stuart Shirley, worked for my grandpa. And so then, then that was the time, I don't know if you guys know much about Tom Dorrance, but Tom Dorrance sold his place in Joseph, Oregon, and then he spent a lot of time just going and working with horses and being at different ranches, and he ended up he ended up at the Flying D, and so then Ray Hunt w- was starting to get around Tom Dorn, so they were there together, and that's when Buck Branneman got hooked up with Ray Hunt, and so it was, it was kind of a, nobody was really known at that time, and so <clears throat> kind of after that, um, that's when Buck started traveling with Ray, and Ray was starting to do clinics, and Tom... Tom was never really big into the clinics so much. I mean, he was more he was more the type of guy to just go and and spend time at a ranch with the with the crew and mess with horses and whatnot. And so and so my my mom and dad and my grandpa got to be around him a little bit, and then Ray, and then and then and then Buck's deal. And so when we moved to, when we ended up in Sheridan, this is kind of what I remember about it. We lived in Bannock and a couple different places taking care of cows. But when we ended up in Sheridan and we had our own cows and, and we used, you know, used teams in the, in the winter to feed cows and whatnot. And my grandpa, you, he's used teams his, his whole life. And so he's in the, He's in the Montana Teamsters Hall of Fame. I'm, I mean, they, they used him, a lot of them. Is he still alive? He is. Yep. Yeah, oh, he wow. is. He just turned uh, 87 about cool. a week or two weeks ago, something like that. So so we got, uh, I'm going to say I'm probably about 9, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around in there. So we got 120. I think we own 125 cows, and then the place that we're at, the the guy that we run it for, he owned another 125 cows, so it's just enough to barely make a living, at best, right? And so then that's when we kind of got started into taking outside horses, shoe, you know, shoeing, not traveling to shoe, but we would... We this would was take, your dad doing this. Yeah, we yep. would take colts to ride, and my mom too, and we would take teams in the winter and, and you know, just, just anything to kind of make a living. And uh, my mom got into the dogs, of course, and she's still into it. So just kind of using the cows as a, as a base and then 
you know, cow dogs, cow horses, whatnot. And so then, then we would have like, uh, Buck come up and, and do a clinic at our place. And he did that for, oh, I don't know. He did that a handful of times. And then we got to know Joe Walter and Brian Newbert and they would come and they would do a, they would do a clinic and now, do you guys have a pretty extensive facility there to ride horses out of or are we just talking sets of pins or but there wasn't even an arena i mean it was just i mean it was colt starting you know just just getting better at trying to do what we're doing you right. know this wasn't arena works drag and no quarter rounds no, no, and no, no, manicured no. sand and no we had what you would call an arena but it was, uh, I mean, we built it out of jack fence. So, I mean, in the wintertime when things slowed down, there we always had a pole permit, and we would go, we would go cut poles and make, you know, make jacks and, and whatnot. Yeah. You did guys, you have a round pin? We did. It, oh. was, it was real tall. Now, when you talk about cutting poles, what are you referring to? Uh, so you buy a, you can buy a permit, like, say, on a, uh, the forest, you know, a BLM, well, not BLM, but, um, yeah, forest permit. And you, you, we go and cut poles and stack them on a trailer and, but these are trees. You just cut the trees down. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, uh, what kind of trees mostly? Clayton? You're not like cutting that? electric pine. poles down no. 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 the highway. P- pine. You know, p- yeah. Pine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'd go through and, and find the straightest ones you could and, and, uh, you know, knock them down, limb them, and if you know if they were if they were big enough, you'd make jacks out of them. And if they were now, what's a jack? Oh, I'm sorry. Pardon so, my pardon my you're ignorance. All, you're all right. So a lot of times, if you um, say you had a tall tree with a big base, you'd knock that one down. Then you take a oh shoot, what would it be? It'd be a nine. However you however long you wanted to to or however tall you wanted your jack, but. Um, you knock the base off, and then the, and then a jack is is two uh, crisscross poles, and you you notch them. So you take a chainsaw and you cut a notch, and then you hatchet it out, and then you take another on the other one. You match. So it'd them stand together. there to stand there by itself. Yeah, so you didn't have to drive them in the ground because sure. you know a lot of that a lot of that country you don't want to drive them or you don't have the don't ability. Well, I mean, that was before a skid steer and, you know, all that, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And, and oiled field pipe, you know, that wasn't, I didn't, that wasn't even a thing. I mean, everything was, everything was wood, even, even at my grandparents' place there in, in Avon. I mean, they fence stacks and they make their own panels out of poles. Yeah. So they cut their own poles. They got a jig. They make, they make pole panels. Those are light. Well, if you think them preferts are heavy, <laughs> oh, kind of like at Pendleton. Yeah, the mold uh, PVC mm-hmm. panels they make the bull riding pen out of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you wire those jacks together? No. Or did you bolt nail them or bolt them? Nailed them. I guess you could bolt them, but I just remember nailing them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and a lot of times the base of them trees are a little greener, so you're not gonna you're not you're not gonna split them or any, right. you know, so you can nail through them. And and for the people who don't know, it's an X, so the fence has a 
kind of a knob sticking out on the top, and then the rails, which are, would be the inside of your arena, are at a slope. So yep. there's something that a horse or cow could get on, get climbing over. Yeah, you can get some momentum on them. Yes. For sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if you, you know, if, if it's done right, I mean, it's, it's really cool, especially if you, especially the taller, the taller you make those jacks, the less the less angle you have you know so and then if you you know if you think about it like starting lots of colts and stuff like that they're not running into the fence they're they're getting to the fence before like your saddle can rub on it and stuff like that until they get over the rail Mm -hmm. with their feet (laughs) yeah get in that (laughs) yeah yeah but our round pin in sheridan we built it and it was it wasn't out of jacks. It was out of telephone poles, and it was tall because we started uh, workhorses and stuff like that in there. So, oh, yeah. Did you start out? How big around was it? About. Well, man, I was like eight, so it seemed like a, a really big, but I, I, I'm going to say it was maybe 50 or 60 foot. Mm, yeah. Not normal. What yeah. Else? I'm good. Thank you. Right. So... Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then um, when you start them working horses, just one at a time in there in the in the in the driving reins. And then when did you hook? How long before you hooked them up to something? So, or did you start them? Yeah, I mean every once every once in a while it's we started them, but it seemed like it seemed like a lot of stuff that we got um, in the winter was stuff that people hadn't been getting along with, you know? Mm. And so... Um, so they'd been riding them? No, just trying to drive them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. I mean, I, there's... if I'd love to show you guys pictures, but, I mean, there's multiple, multiple runoff wrecks and whatnot, <laughs> but... Imagine. The worst. Oh, man. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm not going to say, like, when we were on our own starting them, when I say on my own away from my grandparents' place, I, I'm not going to say we started a bunch of them, but now my grandpa's started a lot of them, young teams. I mean, he raised them. Mm. And so we would typically have – we would typically have one or good team – one or two good teams, and then we would do what we could with something that wasn't getting along, and then we would match them with a better one when you when you drive them you know or use them now these and, have some draft cross to them or straight draft or what do we straight straight draft per, yeah. i mean at that point i mean it's we would take anything but yeah so did those ones that, you, that had already had some problems did you generally start on them in the big arena or did you start in round pen i was a little young to be real specific about what went on but i mean it was kind of at that point it seemed like uh if memory serves i mean we would do what we could you know just i mean as far as just getting a horse um decent to be led around decent to do certain things you know pick their feet all those things made a big made a big adjustment and then it was just it was a lot you know work so hook them to a wagon you know feed cows things like that all right would you hook them ones that you thought might run off would you hook them up inside or outside where you had room 
you wanted quite a little room. Yeah, because yeah, they I would don't. get up in a jack fence or something, and it, w- it would almost seem, for team driving, it would just be yeah not as good as just being able to run away. Yeah, in our arena, I mean, I don't ever remember. I don't think you could get it. I don't think you could get a team down to where our arena was. Uh. Yeah. I mean, our arena consisted of jack fence and a lot of rocks. <laughs> so it was just kind of put down there and and the footing was uh the footing was uh dried up cow manure that seemed to be the softest at the time <laughs> and so uh, there was no drag there was, that, you know I that mean, was the arena was for the riding horses correct okay just the good ones <laughs> yeah so i remember that place in sheridan it had a when you drove into it, uh, it had a real, it had a long machine shed. So it was, uh, it was open on the front, and then it, you know, it, um, and then it sloped back, and you parked a lot of machinery in there. And there was a circular driveway around it, and so the front of the machine shed split the shop and like the milk barn and stuff like that. And then as you went up and around it there was a there was a hill on one side and then it would dip down again you know and so when we when we went out to feed you would go you would go straight past the the machine shop the shop go past the house you would go down down a creek and you cross a bridge and then you go out and then that that's where all the cattle were. Then you'd either, you know, you'd, you'd feed hay out there. You'd go into the basin, which was, I don't know, it's probably six, eight miles back there, you know. And so there was haystacks back there. So you'd go and load, load your hay, and then you'd come back. And then I remember multiple. So as you're coming back... And you're getting to the house, and you guys know that horses understand where the barn is and things like that, right? So you you kind of go down, you kind of go down into the creek, and then horses would get a little little momentum, and you'd hit that bridge, and it would there'd be a, more sound, a lot of sound, and then you would come up, you'd come up out of there, and horses love hills, especially going home. And so they got a little momentum to them, and they'd hit that bridge, and it'd spark them a little, and then up out of there you'd go. <laughs> and the only good thing is that that was a circular, that was a big circular driveway around that machine shop, right? And so, I mean, I can I can still remember. I mean, I'm I'm like eight, ten years old, and I can still remember just being all bundled up, and we're just. We're just going around. Lapping that, lapping that machine shop. We're just going around till we get them slowed down. And, uh, I mean, there was, there was several good wrecks that we, have, that we have pictures of. So when you, come, when you come up straight, you come up out of the creek, past the house, machine shop's on the, on, the, uh, on the left, the shop's on the right, and the milk barn is straight ahead. <laughs> And so I remember my dad, we circled, we circled these horses twice, if I remember correctly. And, and if you went past the milk barn, that's, that's where, 
that's where the oats and that's where <laughs> they got untacked down their horse barn, right? And so they pull pretty strong to that horse barn when they want to be done. <laughs> and so we made we made two laps, and they just didn't take the bend no more. Well, the one on the left took the bend, and the one on the right, he just blew straight through the front of the milk barn. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it, it's just like whatever they are. I mean, I think they start out as like two by 12s, but by the time, you know, they shrink, they're one and a half by whatever, 10 and a half or whatever. And so we got a picture of a team. We got one on the outside of the barn and one on the inside. And the only thing that stopped it was that wagon just got so much drag that they couldn't go no more. (laughs) What's funny to me is I'm sitting here thinking, I feel like we're hearing a story from the 1930s right now, but this is like in about 88 or 89 is when this is happening. Yeah. I feel like that's worth pointing out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the other good one. <clears throat> so, so if you went to the ride of the milk barn, there was uh, there was a loading chute. So them trucks come in, pull all the way around back up to the loading chute, and then off to the loading chute was an old uh, wooden outhouse. I mean, every ranch used to have an outhouse. Now it's now it's not so much. It doesn't seem like anymore, but. And so the other one, uh, I don't know the circumstances, probably a lot of the same stuff, but they went, they went way right <laughs> of the milk barn. And when they, when they hit the outhouse, <laughs> they, hit it, they hit it with the wagon. They missed it themselves, and they, they hit it with the wagon, and it just flipped that wagon up, or I'm sorry, the outhouse up, and it was laying on the wagon by the time it was done it's a real crappy job all of a sudden Mm. who was in it uh luckily (laughs) luckily grandma was done and so she wasn't she wasn't there another good reason for indoor plumbing i forget where we were coming the other day and there was a one of them ported johns that was laid over against the guardrail of a on the highway (laughs) i was like i wonder if there's anybody in that (laughs) I always wonder, like, who stops and uses those? <laughs> you know, like, am I going to be that guy someday? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Just got your hazards on. <laughs> you know. Check for paper. So <laughs> we're doing a lot of driving. What about how much riding's getting done? Well, um, you know, it's funny on a ranch, especially, you know, back to Russell's question, what's the difference between cold country ranch and, you know, I mean, it's, it's such a different deal because the hay is so important and it's everything. Yeah. And especially back then, I mean, the trucking the truck and the hay around wasn't wasn't really wasn't really it, it was it was starting to be a thing but it wasn't looked it wasn't looked on upon as something that you do you know and so every ranch up there has to have enough hay ground to put up enough hay to run your cows during the winter 
and then enough summer ground to, you know, to, to accommodate that. And so a lot of times it was the cow work was done as fast as you could possibly get it done because you had to either get back to haying or get back to feeding them. Yep. And so... Um, and you guys were just feeling like you were in tall cotton because you were probably feeding bales instead of loose hay. Well, so... Or were you? My grandpa has probably just changed over in the last... I might have this wrong, but I'm going to say four years because it was all loose hay, all beaver slides. Yeah. And he'd had some he'd had some lease ranches where they'd put up round bales and stuff like that, but it takes it takes such a big crew that that now they're you know they've they've kind of can't get the labor yeah yeah and what's a beaver slide so that's uh, once again made out of made out of trees poles and uh, you you take a buck rake which a buck rake is you take a truck frame and so you turn it around so you're you got no cab or anything like that you take the cab off you just got the frame and engine and uh engines engines in the back because you because the steering is i mean it, you can you can really turn them tight and so then you put a you put a it can it can be metal or it can be pole a lot of them are pole still you put a big cage on the front kind of like they catch uh oh like they'll like they'll uh get brush and whatnot like out of them almond orchards or, or something like that you know they'll trim trim almond orchards tree orchards and they'll <clears throat> they'll get all the they'll get all the branches but it's a big cage uh, got three sides on it, and then you windrow that hay, and then you drive you drive that buck rake down there, and you fill up fill up a load, and then you take it over to the beaver slide, and another another uh, buck rake pushes it onto the front of this beaver slide, and it it reels it up and then dumps it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard. So it's hard like to a, it's a truck that's you you've turned the seat around backwards. Mm-hmm. That's why the engine's behind you and your steering wheels are behind you like a yep. your your the wheels that turn are behind you like a forklift so you can yes. turn sharper. Yep. And then you slide that up on there, then you take it to the beaver slide which is helping you stack yep. the loose hay. You're pushing it up it and it's dumping off. Yep. into a pile right and then yeah. you just slide it back and slide it back and then what about feeding it um well you either have enough money where you have like what they would call a hydrofork where you can where you can grapple it on there or else you pitch it on mm-hmm. yeah and uh it's a lot of manual labor oh man. wow it's a different I mean a lot it's a different it's a different it, it's a different way of life. It's it real. I mean, I'm. This is why they have them four tined hay forks. Oh man, that's what that's what that piece of equipment is for. For the people that see these hay forks, they're like, yeah. well, "What's that for?" Yeah, this is what that's for. Yeah. Right? So if you if you think you're in shape, CrossFit, whatever it is, <laughs> if, you, if you've ever pitched a load of uh, loose hay on and loose hay off, mm. I mean it's. Yeah. 
I mean, how light's a, a, a load, a pitchfork full of hay? It's not that much. No, it's not bad. You just do but it. But 3,000 of them. <laughs> over, over again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I remember I, I went up north to haul hay. I was kind of same subject, but I went up there north, and it's all three bale, uh, three strand in California. Oh yeah, and they're heavy, you know, 125 pounds or so. Yeah, hauling them with hooks, I get up there, and they're two strands, and I mean, I can throw them over my buddy's yeah. head onto the truck. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is easy. easy. <laughs> yeah, until. About the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah. Hey, get you, when you do enough of it, yeah, because there we, uh, we had a, we had a, um, oh, what is it, a uh, side loader that you just hooked on the truck and it pulled it up to you. And then you took it off and stacked it all by hand. And then when yeah. we got to the barn, you threw it all off on a, on a belt that took it to the top and you stacked it all by hand again. So I'm telling you by the, I had, I was in, shape the end of that summer oh man yeah same thing as uh that loose hay it seems like easy work there for just a just a little bit well i i experienced it um i experienced it some when i was younger and then uh when i was oh maybe just starting high school we we leased a place and moved back close to my grandpa's place and so uh same same deal i i had a horse uh i had a horse buck fall on me it broke my ankle so i didn't have nothing to do for the summer well i drove a buck rake and top stacks so the thing is is when you <clears throat> when those loose hay stacks get kind of i'm gonna say three quarters full so you have to be smart about how you load that load that buck rake. So you got to load left corner, right corner, middle, you know. And then when they run them, when they run them stacks up there, they either run them up and they dump them really slow. So and they're in the very front. So you, you, they're in the very front. They're in the middle. They're on the they're on the right side. And then you got to run them up medium speed, so you fill the you fill the stack. I think, I think on average, one loose hay stack is about twenty seven tons. Oh, so mm. and, and there that's might, a big stack of hay. And I might be wrong on my numbers, but I think I'm right. How tall do you think they are, Clayton? Ish. Um, Fifty fifty foot. Holy moly! Yeah, I mean it's tall. Like it takes it takes a cat it takes a cat to drag the the beaver slide out of the way. They're on big wood skids, and I hope I have my numbers right. I don't imagine there's very many people out there that could argue with me, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then when you get when you get about three quarters full. There's usually two, three guys. They run up on the beaver slide, and you have to start filling corners because that stack has to it has to be right, or else when you pull them wings, it just falls down. And so if you don't if you don't stack it right, then you might as well just left it out in the pasture. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, and so then you're you're up there, and I mean you're. 
you each got a fork and you're pulling hay into the corners and and there might be a there might be a hole in the stack that's just covered up with hay and so then pretty soon you're up to your chest trying to climb up out of there and then you're and then here's there's more hay coming and so about three quarters of the way you're up there the whole time till you top it and uh that was always that was always the the younger kid's job you know get up there and top that stack and i mean i i can't even imagine i was ever in that good a shape to make it through there but i'm I, you know it's crazy i mean you have to have endurance you probably don't have to have a ton of strength but i mean endurance. it's just the same thing over and over again yeah I remember there was a guy that worked for my grandpa forever, Joe Steele. And, I mean, he was he was from uh, back east, and he's, I mean, great guy, Joe and Jeannie Steele. And, uh, I mean, he was in shape, like, I mean, like corn-fed in <laughs> shape. And Country his, strong. Oh, boy. And, I mean, he... He pitched hay on, he pitched hay off, he topped stacks. I mean, he was a worker. And his forearms were so big that uh, his wife would make his shirts with bigger openings so that he could get... Get him over his forearms. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it was, it, was, um, it was unbelievable. And he wasn't... It's not like he was this big uh, muscled up right, guy, yeah, but yeah. It's, I mean, he just pitched hay. You know, mm. yeah, that is that is strong to the core. Yeah, let I mean, him shake hands with Bobby Lewis. <laughs> are you guys starting to understand why I'm excited to be here at the Cutting Field? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a hell of a road. I mean, from pitching hay in Montana, yeah, to you know, walking it, walking down here and putting your hand down to Will Rogers. Not even talking about how thin the air was. And how much harder it is to work in the cold and all that. Well, if I remember right, I mean, I was at a complete disadvantage my whole life. <laughs> Thin air, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like training cow horses. Yeah. <laughs> Has to have your hair thinned. Yeah. No, that's just hair. you. Yeah. I am done with the hair thinning. You got to bick that thing off. <laughs> we should do that. Ben, I've mark this down. Before. We need to have... We should have a YouTube episode of us shaving Russell's head. Yeah, and you gotta buy. You gotta have that subscription. I mean, that has to be on Cow Horse <laughs> Plus for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll yeah. wait for the oh, plus. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a that'll be a paid deal there. Yeah. You want to watch us? <laughs> yeah, it's built like a wedge. We're gonna get Clayton to bick, lather up, and <laughs> bick Russell's head at the Snaffle Bit Fraternity. Won't take long. Twenty twenty two. Don't cut my top knot there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my dad still. We go down. Of course, you you know you uh, you roach the mains on them on your teams, you know. And so, uh, I mean, that was our haircut. The same, you know, the same. We all got the In same. Line. We all got the same haircut. <laughs> yeah, we do the we do the workhorses, and then we just zoop zoop. Me and my brother, done deal. <laughs> It stayed. Saved, saved $9. <laughs> or $8. Hell, I don't even know what it was back then. Probably, it probably wasn't. So my wife makes fun of me. She's like, can't you just go to town and get a haircut? I'm like, I don't like going to town that well. 
You haven't been in a while. No. No, I haven't. Yeah. So, so <laughs> we've been driving horses. Like, when did the when did horse training become a thing? Like, well, where, ranching in Montana, there's not <laughs> not a lot of time for it. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, from these beginnings, how do we? How that's do we, why he's so good because there was such a small window to get him trained. <laughs> I haven't screwed him up yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really fortunate. Uh, especially looking back on it, that my parents were, once we got into trying to get a little bit better with our personal horses, so then we thought, well, we'll start some colts, ride some older horses or whatnot, you know I mean? Um, and then one thing, one thing my parents did that was not very accepted at the time was they realized how much time they were spending putting up hay and feeding hay and so they said well what if we what if we pastured our hay ground and bought hay and that was that was really faux pas at that time and so when they when they started doing that then that freed us up to uh obviously have have more cattle around mm-hmm. and uh and then we just we spent more time horseback not near so much i mean our whole summer was maybe taking in yearlings and doctor and your you know different a different deal we weren't we weren't haying three months out of the year or four months out of the year we were we were horseback and so then when we did that um you know we we're interested in trying to be just just better about starting horses and you know of course we shot everything and and so um and then that's you know that's when joe and brian started coming up and doing their clinics and then uh we we went to i mean i was fortunate enough to just go to a handful of Tom Dorn's clinics and then, and then some Ray Hunt clinics, but Buck was really popular around there. And so then we went to, you know, I, I was around Buck at the clinics from when I was just, just eight, nine years old, you know? And so then it just kind of, that just kind of became more of our thing than ranching so much. Not that we weren't still ranching, but there was a couple years where we, where we droughted out, and then we, you know, then we had to ship cattle different places, and so uh, I still look back at my parents, and they're like, "Oh well, we, you know, we ain't got no grass here, so we shipped them there, and we lived in, you know, wall tents, and and you know, moved cattle around and whatnot, and so, I mean, we just we just ended up spending a lot of time." horseback and so then when uh we eventually sold the cows because um probably more to my knowledge than i'll ever know but probably because that we didn't have enough to make a living we Mm -hmm. had enough to just barely scrape by year after year and then and then like the colt starting deal and the horse riding deal got more and more popular and so then that's when that's when we kind of uh we moved back to Avon. We leased a place there that uh, uh, my grandpa had cattle on. It was real close, and uh, 
and we just we just went to riding horses. So, but this was your dad. Yep. So even before that, Clayton, kind of just to get a view of what's going on, uh, Branham and Dorrance and those guys most early on what they were doing was helping people get better with their horses it's yeah. not so much were your parents even in the showing n- not at all never so the, it, it's not even that you're trying to go even to the county fair and win no. you're they're just trying to help people figure out how to get their horses better and partially because especially in the cold country like we said it is a very small window you yeah. get better on your horses. You don't live on them like you would in warmer country, arid country, where people are their horseback most of the time. Yeah. Um, and then even when you guys start training, you're probably still doing more training for people to take that horse and go work. Oh, 100%. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. When I <clears throat> when I think of the customers that I have and. I mean, I'm I'm extremely fortunate that when they bring a horse, I mean, they have they have for sure a one year plan, mm. and and hopefully, <laughs> you know what I mean. Hopefully, that horse is it, you know, goes along and is a good two year old, and then and then a two year plan, and then if it's you know that good, I mean, that horse might be at the place for four years. Mm-hmm five years six years you know i mean it's it's i mean it's it's unbelievable and you guys probably never had one for six months when you were a kid completely unheard of and that was uh i mean they got a huge break on the training bill if that was a thing (laughs) you know i mean everything was i i remember when i when i come to your house i was uh i was back in montana i traveled around quite a bit and I was uh, 475 a horse, and uh, the first shoeing was on me. I shot him. <laughs> and so uh, I remember, I mean, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but Harrington, Harrington Ranches, Hershey Ranches, they were, they were brother and sister. And so I'd ride quite a few for them, and, and they had... Uh, I think they had just about 30 head of two-year-olds and they weren't they weren't long yearlings they were (laughs) they were two-year-olds and uh they said uh I'd worked for them off and on different times and gone to their place and started colts and stayed for months and whatnot and they 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 committed to sending every one of their two-year-olds to me and they had about 30 and I thought man never another poor day <laughs> nailed it and they would they would bring them and they would uh i think they would bring them four to six at a time uh they were halter broke to some extent but they weren't they weren't tied in the trailer <laughs> right. they would they would back up and unload them and uh then you know get them get them re-halter broke if that was a thing and uh the good ones i'd have for 30 days and if you couldn't if, if you need a little more time it was 45 days 
but that that was, <laughs> that, was the, it. that was the extent of it and when i yeah i mean when they showed up they had they had shoes on you open and close gates lope around best you could and rope on them yeah, yeah. and it, it's um it's it's funny you, I used to you used to feel like if you had one 90 days the last 30 days you were just almost stealing money well, <laughs> just, just, yeah I'm not even sure what else to do yeah. where, where we can rope we can back up turn around yeah. open gates and what else is there but Some, I mean I'll keep riding them if you want me to but some bucks ready we're yeah <laughs> we're ready to go and then the other thing too is now you have them horses four years and all that. Now I was thinking about this just the other day. The the expectations, the forty five day, sixty day, ninety day horses. I don't know how many times the people would come in and be overjoyed, yeah, with how much that horse was doing because they hadn't even had anything that would do that stuff, yeah, for a long time. And you didn't have to beat anyone to make them happy. No, you didn't have to no. outdo anyone or anything. And now, if, now even especially if they're kind of the middle of the road, you almost can't do enough to make it pan out. So no. it forces you to pick through and get better horses. But just such a change oh, man. Um, in life that yeah. we've all we've all gone through it. Yeah. But just the change between having people that are happy with such a smaller amount, yep, just overjoyed yep. to a higher expectations. Of course, you know so much more money and all that. But yeah, yeah, what a little trail from oh, making yeah. them forty-five day horses and well, and like uh, I mean, just shoeing them horses. I mean, most of them horses. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them horses got shod three times a year. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you shot them in the spring because it was, it was spring works. And then they got shod once in the summer and uh, shot them again or sharp shot them for the fall works. And then you pulled your shoes and they were done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember my dad got, uh, he got real interested in, in shoeing because my mom had a had a black horse named Diesel, and he he had a little bit of age on him. I mean, he was probably maybe like ten or something. But he, from what I remember, he was a nice horse, and he started to get navicular. And so uh, then that was when Gene Ovnik was just just barely got getting relevant. I don't know if you guys know him or not, but. Uh, then you know the uh, oh natural horseshoe and you know the square this the more the square toed the setback shoes okay. things yep. like that and so and uh, I mean we just we shod horses because a shoer was not even I. It wasn't. I don't even remember. It wasn't a profession. No, it you wasn't. took care of every, your. It's like having someone brush your teeth for you. Oh. <laughs> every every you just shod your own horses, yeah. and I can remember being a kid. And so my dad, he would, uh, he'd say, "Well, I'll, I'll sh-, you know, we had to hold all the horses, and we had to finish mm. and do that deal, e- even before we were old enough to 
shoe a horse or even understand how to shoe a horse, we had to hold them. And I don't... And always hold their head away from the shoer. No, and I don't never. know. I don't know. <laughs> how, how much trouble did you get in if your dad got kicked while you were holding? I've been in so much trouble I can't even tell you. But, <laughs> but I, just rem, I just remember like, hey, I'm going to shoe your horses, but you're going you're gonna to hold them and, and you're going to finish and you're going to pull learn to pull shoes and stuff like that. And then pretty soon, like, we were just doing more and more and more. And I don't know why. You pro- you guys probably remember. I mean, it was unheard of to tie a horse up and shoe him, or at least in my house it was. I have no idea how you can't shoe a horse by yourself because I've learned to do it. But... I don't know why we had to hold them all. I think it was because they maybe weren't the greatest horses. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was probably because he didn't trust you to shoe him yet. They warned you standing there when it was time to finish. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and I, I still remember I got to the point where I didn't have to actually stand to hold them. Like I could sit on a bucket. And that, was, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. It's so boring, all the horses. Oh, it is man. so miserable. I, I can only imagine if I'd had an iPhone then. I would have something to do. But if I'd have had an iPhone and not been smart enough to not look at I would have the print of a hammer right there. <laughs> <laughs> right on my bald forehead, and it wouldn't be... You wouldn't be able to cover it up. It wouldn't have been an accident either. No, yeah. it, no, it wouldn't have been an accident. <laughs> I mean, broadside, not straight on or anything. <laughs> Flat side of the hammer. Yeah, so it was a, uh, I mean, looking back on it, I can't imagine. That, how about the patience Well, I've that heard, you're forced to have? And look I've, at the, what kids are growing. It. I know, but look at now. Oh, Do you God. imagine? These kids that you see running around having to hold horses no. for your dad? No, and I, I mean. They wouldn't live through mine. How many, did you, did either of you guys grow up with the milk cows? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so hell yeah. We always had, <laughs> we always had at least two or three milk cows, and, and one or two of them raised the, raised the the calves that wouldn't you know their moms wouldn't take them or something like that and then of course we had to milk the cow and i mean that was at that point in my life that was the worst job in the world you know i mean before school go get the milk cow you know take and you know we had dogs so you you know you go out there and you open the milk barn door and send the dogs and here come i mean they want to come anyway because they get right. they get grained and then turn the calves in and then you milk the cow you know and i mean oh, kick the damn bucket over that a new milk cow is just it was just an absolute assurance that my dad was going to be in a bad mood. <laughs> I see one kick him completely out oh. of the barn. Yeah. And when he went back in there, the walls rattled. Yeah. <laughs> she finally let him milk him, but I'm telling you, milk her, but it was not pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just. You imagine the kids nowadays having to get up milk cow before they go to school? Oh man, I, there's times where I try to make mine get 
pants on and it's a struggle, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so my favorite was, you know, oh, cow kicked the bucket over, right? Yeah. So you sit down there and you'd get a little milk. And there, there, there was times where the, you know, obviously the cow kicked the bucket over, but then um, there were other times when you let the calf have both sides. Yeah, so I just, <laughs> I just milk a little bit, and then I pick the bucket up and throw it, you know, throw the milk on the ground, and then tell mom I didn't get no milk because uh, cow kicked the bucket over. And then when she come in tight bag that night. my my mom seems like a nice lady (laughs) to you people that didn't leave the cow type bag when that when that cow come in type bagged at night it was like i just took off running (laughs) she's pretty quick i will say that she catch me every now and again oh man Yeah. Oh, and even like I can remember, like it was our job to walk to the bus. I mean, the bus picked us up at the end of the driveway, but the driveway, the driveways now, a lot of them are twenty-five to fifty yards. I'm not sure, but I felt like ours was about two miles. I think it was. I think it was probably a lot less than that. <laughs> right. But I mean, good half the, anyway. The amount of days when you are just running as fast as you can <laughs> to because get there. If you if you miss that bus and mom has to take you to school, ooh, all the way there. Oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I it's, wish I was on that's that the point. worst because then it's too cold. If you do miss the bus, it's too cold to even just stay outside and just stay gone for the day. You know you can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> well, it's a long road from getting four hundred and fifty dollars for thirty day Colts to winning eight hundred seventy thousand and being buttoned up on the million dollar list for NRCHA riders. I made it. You got there. Yeah, I made, made it. it. I made it. Nice. My yeah. internet sucks. <laughs> I iPhone it. lied. Stupid iPhone. Well. Outstanding. No, got there this year. You? Yes, sir. Nice. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That is outstanding. Yeah. Yet another million-dollar rider on the show. We have to have a bigger building for all the flags. All right. Wish you'd hurry up and get there, Russell. It ain't going to happen. I've done all I can do. I'm happy with what I've done. It's enough. (laughs) So just winning that world's greatest four times, you're okay with that? I would take four right now. (laughs) Oh, I thought you won it four. Oh, three. Three. Only three. You're the only one that's won three, though, right? Yeah, but it'll change. And you were second... I think you were second the year I come to work for you. Really? You um, worked for him? Yeah. How do I not know this? Well, I don't know. On Miss Plain Plain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Miss Plain Plain was. Were you second on slide? You were second on slider one year, too, weren't you? Yeah, maybe. Maybe a couple. I was second on Miss Plain Plain twice and third once. Oh, yeah. I think that, that mare was really something. Ah, dang, I was wondering when you came, Clayton. So what year do you think that was? 
I bet Ish. it was. Uh, we still had the Lemoyne Ranch. I know. I remember you, Brandon, up there, yep. up in the hills. I bet it was. Uh, it was. It had been eighteen years ago, huh? I think I was twenty, mm. twenty-two or twenty-three. Yeah, I bet it was. We didn't have no kids yet, did we? Yeah, you did. Oh, did we? They're well, little, eighteen. Little, well, Colt's eighteen guys. this year. Yep. I'll bet it was about. Did I have them when you got there? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there was already. It was probably fifteen then. Crawling around and stuff. Do we have both of them? Man, I can't remember. I think so. I know. Did we had, have that fraternity in um, Fresno yet? Yep. Oh, we did. Yeah, because yeah, that's the first place I showed. No, we had them both because uh, loped off in the wrong lead. Dang it! <laughs> Who's stupid leads? <laughs> Yeah, you can't imagine how many phone calls I get, Russell, about like, hey, I could help you guys with them leads. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's getting to where now I don't even I don't even want to get better at it because I lose my identity. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think John Rozier told me one side one time uh, a lead is uh, when somebody beats you in the herd work. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a lead is. <laughs> yeah, I always thought it was what you hooked to the halter and tie the rascal up with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had you been showing a while when you came there? No. That was... You were a terrible interview process. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, this is fast forward quite a few years, but... So, this is a great story. I still remember it like it was... Uh, 18 years ago. But, um, <laughs> so, so I have, uh, I've decided I've had enough of the 30 day Harrington Hershey horses, all I can stand, right? <laughs> I mean, this is a lot of work. I'm living in Harrison, Montana. And, uh, and so the reason I was living in Harrison, Montana is because my parents, uh, went to work for a guy, Jackson, somebody, and he raised a lot of Morgans, a lot of Morgan horses. And even when we lived in Avon, he would send them. And so uh, he was older, and his horse herd got away from him. And so uh, they moved there, and then I, I moved to a place down the road to help them. <clears throat> and he's like, I got, I got a lot of horses that ain't been started. And so we started at the seven-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> we started at, our, at the seven-year-olds, and we worked our way backwards. And uh, we started 127 of them. Oh my lord! Yeah. Whoa. And I'm I'm almost 100 percent sure that number's right. It might be off a couple, but I mean, like that was that was why that was why they were there. That's why they asked me because I'd been cowboying around and I'd been to Arizona, Nevada, and uh, I spent I spent a winter down here for Fitzgeralds in Oklahoma, and I spent a winter at uh well back when uh uh before budge owned that place out there in wit i spent a winter there working for joe walter starting colts stuff like that so i'd been all around 
and they said, hey, we got this, we got this gig, and uh, we're starting a lot of horses, and I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. What's, I mean, what's better than a guy needing work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we started horse after horse after horse after, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It really was, because he run them. He run them like cattle too. I mean, it wasn't like it was no bad habits. Uh, yeah, I mean he he gate sorted them. So if you can imagine, if you can imagine seven year old unstarted Morgan horses, I mean they got a lot of go ahead in them anyway, you know. And and I mean he would run them in on a pickup. It wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't horseback. It wasn't anything like that. It was. I don't even know four wheelers really didn't really seem to be a thing back then. I mean, it was you know an old Chevy pickup and run them in, sort them, and we we'd sort through them. And anyway, so so I'm doing that. I'm doing that for them, and then I'm doing the Harrington deal where I'm getting all those horses. And so I I think I would I would have about. 12 to 15 uh 30 dayers and i mean you guys know i mean it's a lot of work i mean we weren't putting boots on or wrapping them or icing them or nothing like that but i mean it's catching them brushing them off saddling them riding them unsat help wasn't even yeah that wasn't even a thing a saddler i didn't even know what that was God, I would Who could loved... you send in there? <laughs> they weren't broke enough for a saddler. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it was full contact, for sure. <laughs> and so when I made the decision, um, and one, one big reason I'd made the decision when I was down uh, at Fitzgerald's, that's when he owned SmartMate, or maybe still does, I'm not sure, or whatnot. But I'd... Uh, I'd bought a I'd bought a two year old from him, the horse that I brought to your place, and uh, man, he was he's the nicest thing I I ever ever got to be around, and so um, I'd sold I'd sold a couple older ranch gildings. I mean that just started to get popular, and I'd sold a couple older ranch gildings, and I gave. Uh, I gave twenty thousand for this two-year-old. Wow! Yeah, and it was uh, it was a smart made out of coquette, which was, I, I mean, she was she seemed really popular at the time. It, I mean, it was a, it was a nice horse, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'd hit a lick on some of them uh, better gildings that I'd packed around with me, and I'd gone to Nevada and branded on them, and you know, the, just just used them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so then I end up back in Montana that fall, and I'm riding that horse, and then I'm riding a bunch of Morgans, and I'm riding all these other 30-dayers, and I just come to a realization, if I'm ever going to do anything better with my life or my horse training, I don't think I can be in Harrison, Montana, starting a bunch of 30-dayers, when I have the best horse that I'd ever rode. I mean, the kindest, you know, yes. most trainable, kindest horse. I mean, he, I mean, he was hands down. 
and I would like to think that if I had him right now, I would still really like him because I, I mean, you, you kind of remember him, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. was such a nice horse. He was nice. So I end up talking to you. I have a chance to go to California, or Texas, and so, uh, so I end up going to work for you. It's a terrible, terrible move, by the way. <laughs> but how'd you find Russell? Uh, somebody had given me his number, and I called him. And you, you'd said you were wanting to do kind of a two-year-old deal. I think it was uh, at, at the place in Springville. You just bought oh, that yeah, place right. or just yep. took that place over. And so we kind of talked about some stuff on the phone, and and you were like, "Yeah, let's do it." And I was like, "Okay, let's do it." <laughs> it was yeah, that's about how it was too. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah. And I I loaded everything I had, including dreams and aspirations. <laughs> and I am on my way to California, and uh, I call Russell. I overnight somewhere. I call Russell. I said, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be at your place in California tomorrow. It looks to be about two, three in the afternoon. You were showing at the World's Greatest, <laughs> so so it must have been February, March. I think it was probably still in San Angelo at the time. Or probably, something like that. yeah. And you're like, "Hey, um, call my call Tana." She's at the house, and she'll get you set up and this, that, the other thing. Okay, so, I mean, that was before texting, remember? I mean, that was like bag phone area. Right, I would yeah. was say. Yeah, and you're like, hold on. <laughs> and you write down a number, and so I call Tana, and I say, hey, Tana, my name's Clayton Ezel, and she's like, okay, who is this? And I said, well, <laughs> your husband has hired me to uh, come down and, and work for you guys, two-year-old guy. And she's like, um, okay. And I said, I'll, I'll be in there tomorrow afternoon. And I got, uh, hell, I, I must have had five, six horses with me or oh, something. Oh, jeez. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Good interview I, process, Russell. <laughs> she, was, she was so nice. She's like, that sounds good. Can I call you back in just a minute? <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, not not a problem. So I think then that's when she called you and you informed her that you'd hired me. <laughs> True. And, uh, yeah, so I, <laughs> oh, that was the most. Oh, awkward. and you're only bringing five or six horses. <laughs> yeah. How many dogs? Yeah. Uh, at least a couple. Hey, yeah, at yeah. least. Nice. I yeah, love no, employees no more, to come with no six, more, six no horses and a couple two. dogs. Hey, but these, I had some decent dogs at one time. They, <laughs> they get the cattle in. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's how. Uh, and then did you go straight to Springville or did you come down to Porterville for a little while? I was in Porterville for a while. That's why I was thinking. Oh, yeah. I can't remember why. Did we not have the escrow closed up there or? I think there were some people still living in that house. Oh, or something. Yep, yeah, that's what it was. Probably yeah. some lawsuit, if I had to guess. No. Hey, so Clayton got in a fight with the neighbors up there, too. It's not just me. <laughs> no, they were, they were not good neighbors. Yeah. They were not good neighbors. But yeah. I'm still in a lawsuit over it. It's oh. been four years. And <laughs> Same place? <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. Didn't you get in the fight with the ones with, with the dogs on the other side? Yeah, I think that sounds, something about that sounds right. The north yeah, there's side. a big dog or something, huh? Yeah, I, I can't remember. Remember you had to run them off. But I don't think the one that I got in was home from prison yet. Oh. When you were there, he came home later and then yeah. it didn't go that well. Yeah. Yeah, so you win I, those things and it still costs you. Okay, so I'm okay. So the gap I need filled is okay. how you we go from the Harrison Hershey thirty day horses, and we get Russell's number. But where did we find out? I mean, at what point did you know that horse showing was a thing? So, I guess uh, I have to back up a little bit. So, I mean, because you've been around starting Colts, you've been to Arizona, you've been all over, you've been at Joe Walters down there at my yeah. house. Yeah, so from... But still hasn't shown. Right. No. No. So, so well, at some point, I'm, I'm traveling around. So I just kind of think that uh, maybe my, my place of making money or making a living is I... I've been to Oklahoma once, starting Colts. I've been to Texas once, starting Colts. And I would just, uh, so I'd find someplace decent for the winter, right? Been to Arizona a couple times, and I would just, you know, put my shingle out, find find a place where I could, put my shingle out, uh, take in 30, 30 to, you know, Arizona was different because, man, they're liable to leave them 60 to 90 days and the weather's pretty good and, and I'd get the shoeing on them and and uh, then I would go back I really liked Nevada that that area so then I would I would cowboy in the summertime or you know spring something like that because I like I like to rope brand calves right so then I would go I would go someplace decent in the winter, try to make a living. Then I would go, uh, like I worked for Mike Marvels in Battle Mountain. I worked at the YP a couple different times. I worked at the Spanish Ranch. And uh, at that time, the deal was loosening up. I was able to pack some out, you know, some of my personal horses, you know. And so I would, I would try to take, uh, you know, three, four personal horses. I'd rope on them and pawn you know sell one sell one for you know fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars i mean that was that was cutting a fat hog you know at the time i was like i was like man you guys are feeding them and you got to pay me you're paying me to ride my own horse and then i get to sell him at the end you know so you know you're you're kind of doing that and uh and then all of a sudden I'm at uh, I'm at the YP one fall, and my whole goal in life was to be decent around a horse, rope good, be able to you know kind of m- maybe put a horse in the bridle, which I at that time I mean it was it was not like a show horse, right? And so. Uh, I got a good, I got a good friend, and he was 37, and he was a guy I looked up to. I mean, roped good, rode his horses good, everything was good, 
and um, he was kind of he was kind of frustrated where he was at in life because uh, the Nevada, you know that the the western ranches don't want to take care of a guy very good, you know. So now he's got a young family and he's kind of bouncing around and whatnot, and so that was the point where i was like i was like man if i'm not if i'm not careful i'm going to be 45 50 years old and i'm just still going to be doing the exact same thing that i'm doing and never have explored anything other than what's in a 50 mile radius you know and so i'd kind of I'd kind of always been interested in showing horses a little bit, so then that's when I uh, I ended up calling you and getting to California and getting around it a little bit, and then, uh, yeah, I just kind of struggled my way through it best I could. So who hooked you up with Russell? Hey, was it um, Ty Burke's sister's, uh, Ty Burke's wife's brother? What was his uh, name? Luke. Uh, Luke. Luke. Yeah, I knew I knew Luke pretty good because we uh, we kind of grew up around there. And he had a smart mate, a pretty good one. That's what made me kind of think that. Yeah, and I think maybe I think maybe after mine or oh, I don't know if it was a smart mate, but it was kind of something a little uh, a tick more popular bread. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's who it was. I, I can't remember. Things were going kind of fast. I mean, it was, it was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. It's hiring people without Tana knowing. And <laughs> this would have been before shop, shop Bell. Oh, yeah. No, after. No, it was before. I think yeah, it, CJ was, it was close to the same time because... It, it wasn't far after. Yeah, it almost seems like... <laughs> You may have even been in Springfield when Shop Bell showed yeah, up. Yeah, I think I think CJ was maybe working for you, and so I think the plan was is for me to go to Springville. Oh, and I had CJ at the house. And you had CJ at the house. Oh, yeah, because that's that's how you I. You know what? CJ was there because he took. Uh, I think he had to take Tan to the hospital for one of the kids. Oh yeah, that is right. That's true. Yeah, CJ was there already. I, I was gone. <laughs> you sure those kids are yours? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> One's got a lot of hair and a beard like Etzel. Oh, has he's he, too has late. He moved into too his late. Ha- has he moved into his house yet? <laughs> no, he's getting close. I've, I've had him a little hooked up. I sent him to, uh, he went to Colorado with Blue Allen for a week, and we got him back four, five, six weeks later. <laughs> And he offered him full-time job. We almost didn't get him. He just got useful, and you're going to lose him. No kidding. Good on a chainsaw, good on fence, good on colts. Yeah. Like a little bitty. Uh, he's not little bitty. Like a big old Clayton Etzel. <laughs> Where'd you go from my place? Uh, what was that? Uh... What was that strange guy up there in uh that narrows oh, it down in Atwater. The real 
The real strange guy. Um, golly, what was his name? He used to have some horses with uh, wards and whatnot, and then... Uh, I know, I just... I can't think of his name. Uh, Ray Collins. Ray Collins, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and he... Uh, yeah, I think you hooked me up with him, and thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a different fella. I don't know if I can get in trouble for saying anything, but yeah, that was that was a real strange gig. I remember you calling me afterwards. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, so that's some pretty wild stuff. Yeah, after I learned out that, he, or learned that, learned out, uh, learned that he got uh, arrested for child molestation against his own son or something like that. Yeah, it was holy. A, yeah, it was a real hard intro into the Merced Horseman's Club <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we go to we go to a little we go to a little show there and and uh man, people just aren't very friendly to me, you know, and I'm like, hey, hey, you know. And uh finally uh trying to remember that guy's name, he pulled me aside and he's like, Do you know the do you know the guy that you're working for? I'm like, Oh Ray? Hell he, he's a pretty good guy, you know? And he's like, just so you know, he's not that good. <laughs> uh, Little heads up. Oh man, yeah. So he'd he'd had a place over there, just outside of, well, just right across the road from Benny Gatron. So just outside of Merced, and he'd sold that to uh, to a developer guy, and then he'd moved he'd moved all of his horse stuff over into Atwater well he put me up in the house in Merced and then come to find out that his wife had uh, passed away in there and there was a lot of there was a lot of suspicion if he had uh, maybe, assisted maybe not helped her with that mm. yeah yeah like yeah it, it, it was a really and I thank you again, Russell, for introducing <laughs> me to that guy. And, and uh, yeah, so I I made it there about I don't know a couple months or something like that. And then uh, then for lucky there, you got out of there with uh, everything intact. Oh man, yeah. That and was then a, what? Then I ended up in Oakdale, mm. just back to riding whatever I could, shoeing horses, and so talk a little bit about. I mean, so. For folks that don't know, your brother was involved a lot too, yep. right? I mean, and he kind of, I mean, what was that like, you two growing up? And how, I mean, did y'all, like, were y'all watching video? We all, when y'all were kids, was that, was the show deal, were y'all watching videos of any show mm -hmm. deal or no? It was no. just ranching and did, I mean, how did that work? And where did, how did he decide to venture out? So probably, um, I don't know. It was just it was just kind of weird how it. I guess it it all come to develop, but I mean, we were just we were just trying to get better, you know. I mean, uh, if you follow any part of 
you know, Tom Dorrance, Ray Hunt. I mean, it's a lot of, you know, getting getting the feet to do what you want and then and then getting to be around uh Brian and Joe and so I mean and then a little bit later on I got to be around a guy named Tink Lordi and and he'd been around Tom and Ray a lot. So he traveled with Ray for probably ten years and then he was around Tom a lot. And so he's probably the most underrated nobody's ever heard of him best colt i mean just i mean just put a lot of thought into it you know i mean and so i mean just just simple stuff that i don't think people put much put much effort into you know like I know it's going to sound stupid, but just bridling a horse properly, just picking their feet up properly, you know, saddling one properly. And when I say properly, I mean like young horses, you know, getting getting good at at not getting in a bind, and then and then on, you know, I mean on them. And I never met that guy. Mark day. Matson talks a lot about that well, guy. I've heard I, I met him some and. Uh, yeah. He was, uh, Annie used him a lot. Yep. Yeah. He's pretty famous in the circle, but like you say, uh, he's way better than for how much he's recognized. Oh, he's, I mean, he taught me so much. And I didn't even know how much he was teaching me at the time until now you get to, you kind of get to the point where you're at. And then you, it, it seems like, and you guys might, agree with this but it seems like you get so far and then you realize your basics are so freaking important and i i mean i think of that guy constantly and he was he was basque and he lived in uh, jordan valley in the summertime and then at that point he was uh in indio california riding polo horses so he would come up to montana and do a handful of clinics and if you were willing to get on colts you could get in the clinic for free and so i mean every time he was up there i mean i was uh, yeah oh yeah i was <laughs> i'm <you> in know, <laughs> i was i was a bucking dummy you know i mean there was very little bucking of course but i mean i i would climb on anything you know like i just i i craved just wanting to be a tick better at doing things and so uh not to skip around but uh, he was he was down in Indio, and I took a job starting polo cl- polo colts down there, and so I did that for two two winters, only because the place that I was working for was neighbors wh- where Tink was training out of, and he was doing a lot of polo horses, and he was doing some cow horses, and so, um, you know, Tink was around Greg Ward, plenty. I don't know if you ever saw mm-hmm. him saw him around there, and so. Then Teddy Robinson got to know Tink a little bit, and Tink bought some of them new cash colts and and went on with them and and uh, and showed them. I mean, Tink he would get so frustrated at the lack of horsemanship at a horse show, and then and then he was he's very competitive and he was he's Basque so he would get so he would get so upset that somebody could just that he could 
with he such bad beat. horsemanship could beat him. Not fair. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so and so that never really It's all political. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so, but I mean you you guys understand Basque what, lives matter. Yeah. You guys understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like how does this I mean he's and then all of a sudden he's doing a pattern or he's doing the he's doing the correct things, the point earning things and guy maybe can't even bridle his horse ride or saddle, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, and you're like, yeah. how is this? This isn't even possible. possible. This shouldn't even yeah. happen. So, um, a little like team roping. Yes. Yeah. A lot like any competitive sport. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, back to my brother, my brother was working for Jake Goral. Yeah. And I don't even really know how that... Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you that because it's about the same time yep. he was there and you were at my house and... Yep. Yeah, so I I, I kind of don't really know how that all took part, really. And that would have been early 2000s because that was when I was working for Todd. We were yep. in San Inez. So yep. it had to have been 01, 02. That's when I met both you guys. Yep. Yeah, and so, so I was up in Springville... My brother was working for Jake, and uh, and then Jake started sending me like the overflow, the stuff he didn't want mm-hmm. to write. Any of the, you know, just one of them deals. People call, hey, will you ride a horse for thirty days? Well, I'm not going to, but I got a guy. So, so pretty soon, I mean. You know, Jake was Jake was a big help. Um, I mean, pretty soon I got I got four outside horses for Jake. You know, and I'm you know at that time I I don't know what you charge eight hundred bucks or something like that. I mean, it was that was a lot of money, and uh, and so then I would end up over there, and then I would even when I was in Springville, I'd come down to your place, and yeah, we did go and brand some calves and work horses and whatnot, and so. So I'm kind of just, I'm kind of just back out riding whatever I can to make a living and, you know, shoeing some horses when I can, not, obviously not traveling, but, and then I end up at Ray Collins's place and that's just, that's just a disaster. (laughs) It wasn't good. Mm. So I'm sick and tired of California. I'm like. I'm getting out of California. I find a away from these child molesting sons uh-huh. of bitches. <laughs> so I'm too broke to leave the state of California. <laughs> <laughs> so I end up in Oakdale, and uh, Oakdale's got a it's got a little more day work because there's you know there's a lot of pasture cattle and whatnot. So I'm day working, riding horses, doing whatever I can, and I meet uh, I meet a guy named Danny Pritchard. I don't know if any of you guys would ever know him, but he showed in the showed in the non-pro, and they had a they had a uh, a son of Pepto, and they raised some horses, and he worked for a ranch there, and and so um, I get to be I get to be good friends with Danny, and uh, Oakdale's a is a great great town, great community. There's at at that point. I mean, there was there was people making a living, day working, 
in Oakdale. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of yearlings coming there in the winter, and they hadn't a lot of irrigated ground. So, like, like them cattle come to come off of the the native grass, and they went to irrigated ground and whatnot. So, so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a good fit because we're branding calves, we're heading and healing. I mean, different small small pens, you know, way different than Nevada or anything like that, and so. I just, I kind of hang out there, and then I, you know, I start, I start showing that smart mate horse. Um, showed him in Fresno at the prefaturity because everybody says, well, if you're going to show a horse, you got, you got, you got to go to the prefaturity. And uh, I, rem- I still remember the entry fee was seventeen hundred fifty dollars, <laughs> and. Uh, and I lope, I lope off in the wrong way. That, <laughs> that was that was when you trot to center and you stop, and then and then that's when I did the wrong thing. And so, I didn't, I didn't. You're uh, not married yet, are you, Clayton? No, hmm. no. That's way later. Yeah, yeah. he just You're got so married. Single. Just got married a year or two ago. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the years all run together. Now. Yeah. Did I hold Juanita yesterday, or was it 50 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> so then I go to Reno, and I show that horse in Reno, and I still remember that was when the you entered the Open, and then every division you were eligible for. You entered the pay Open. Pay a little extra. To pay yeah. a little. A little more. 500 for that intermediate and 500 for that limited. Four, 450, if 450. I, oh, yeah. 450, if I remember right. So. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't afford the intermediate, so I entered the <laughs> I entered the open and the limited, and uh, I would have made the intermediate finals if oh, I could have no. if I could have afforded it. And uh, I make the limited finals, and uh, I just haven't I just have a decent a decent finals, not not very good. I got a vest, no buckle, and. Uh, I go to the office and check out, and I owe them three, uh, $3,350, and they give me a check for, uh, like, 1800 <laughs> And I'm like, no, I don't, what's the final, why, why is the finals fee? I thought that was, like, I'm going. <laughs> I, made, I made the finals. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through my bill, you know, because uh, I'm like, whoa, 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 what's this $350? $50 finals fee. I'm like I thought I was doing good if I made the finals. I didn't think you were going to charge, charge me again. For it. Right. <laughs> and, Congratulations! Uh, Here's a bill. Yeah, and after that, I was just hooked. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I got to spend I got to spend two weeks in Reno, and it only cost me uh, thirteen hundred dollars in entry fees. And then I, yeah, I don't even. I think I no. I tell you what, I didn't stay in a hotel. I stayed in the front of my trailer at a friend's place just outside of, of uh, Reno there, Katie Blunk. Yeah. Yeah, and she let me stay. She let me park my trailer there and stay in the front of it. You know, you could have parked your trailer right there at the horse show. I couldn't afford it. It was you had to pay. Oh, really? Yeah, the only thing. RV. Yeah, I just remember I had to feed her dogs. At night, and uh, she was a vet, and then uh, they were on an all chicken 
diet. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, all I had to do was just, uh, you know, fish some of that old half thought out chicken. Chicken out, out yeah. of the dog food. Yeah. No, it's cheap. <laughs> it's real cheap. Yeah. So, uh, if only you'd had Ben. He could have brought home the scraps from Chick Fil A. Yeah, I don't fed know. The dog. I, he didn't bring any today. He I don't know. He would have. Yeah. Well, if I'd have had that Chick Fil A, I'd have probably fed myself, not the <laughs> dog. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I just remembered that. Yeah. I yeah. bet you didn't have any fun at that horse show, though. Um, I don't know if I could have afforded fun at that time. <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, that was. You guys remember that was the time when, uh, so you you have them 30, 60 dayers, and you're like, well, I'm going to go to Reno for two weeks. And they're like, okay, we're going to take our We'll horses. take them home. Right. Yeah, we're we're going to take them home. And I had. Uh, and half of them come back when you get back. Maybe. Oh, you're lucky. Maybe. You're lucky. What what year was this? Um, I think it was. I want to say 2003. I'm not 100% sure. 2003, 2004, something like that. And I remember I got home, and the only horse that hadn't gone home <laughs> was a mule. The worst one. <laughs> <laughs> was a mule. And I think the only reason they didn't come and pick him up is because he, he wasn't easy to get in the trailer. <laughs> yep. Thank God you hadn't taught him that yet. They load him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, He'd they, helped a load. Yeah. They probably tried, but they couldn't get him in the trailer. So he was still there. So I had a, I had one training horse slash mule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, then the rest is, I mean, I was just, I mean, how could you not want to be a horse show guy yeah. after that, you know? Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. That Reno... One time, there's so many bad, there's so many good and bad memories at Reno. One time, John Warden and I decide we have a system. Yeah. <laughs> so I lose. Oh no! All the money I have, and then go to dinner, and I'm, it's a huge group of us, and I'm at the end of the table, and they pass all the money to me to pay the bill. And there's only enough for the bill and none left for the tip. And I, I, don't, and I don't have it. <laughs> I left it all on that stupid roulette table. John Warren had enough. We were doubling down on the losses. And I ran out of money. I couldn't keep doubling. And he had enough to double on the last hit and get back. And I didn't. It's about the third day of the fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> the fraternity's about to start. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Not a good life decision right there. Oh, I remember about that second year, I get some people, and they, they ask me if I would. They were into the Rainers, and they say, uh, hey, would you take this sail horse up there to sell in the sail? Well, <laughs> Absolutely. I would be happy to, because I'm, you know, and uh, so I can't remember if the horse sold good or didn't sold, sell good <laughs> or whatever, you know, and they uh, they take me to dinner, and we go to uh, 
the Grand Sierra. Was it called the Grand mm-hmm. Sierra then? Yeah, 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 because yeah, it's the Hilton now, right? Yep. Well, I think it was the Hilton. No, I don't. I don't know how that all went, but yeah, used to be the Hilton. Then it turned into the Grand Sierra. Maybe, oh, really? Maybe it was the Hilton then. Yeah. And uh, we go to the steakhouse there. I don't know if it was the. I don't know if it was the fancy one, but it seemed real fancy. You know, I didn't know how to hold my hands or touch didn't know my which fork and, to pick first. <laughs> and I was I was hungry, and I was thinking they were going to buy me dinner and then when the <clears throat> when the check come i still remember i still remember that uh the the husband he ordered the lobster bisque and i was like golly that looks good and he's like you want get a, get a bowl of that bring him another bowl and i'm like whoa okay and when the bill come we uh, we went dutch oh oh and I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know if I have enough money for, yeah, to pay my to pay my dinner. But I guess I did or something. But I can't, yeah, I There's still. There's one of us. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so terrible. Called home and borrowed money from the neighbors to get through the fraternity. Oh, man. Yeah. This is a dumb way to. to it's stupid. To. We're trying to promote to this way of life, Russell. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, I guess it would mean that even degenerates can make it. So if you've got a real business plan, this will be easy. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, people. Uh, the internship for this is brutal. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think. When you go on your own. And you were on your own. Even at Springville, he was. Well, I mean, it was my place and stuff, but he was renting it and had his own horses. And yeah. I was sending you my two-year-olds. Yeah. But you could take other ones, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. He kind of, you kind of didn't really work for, he didn't really work for me. He's right. been a kind of self-taught. Yeah, it shows. <laughs> it shows big time. So after that first one that you showed there at Snalfabit and you make the limited finals, yep. was it just one more finalist after another after that? I mean, never another year of <laughs> oh, not... Oh, yeah, no, it was great. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't... I love that question. <laughs> I don't think I had one. So I don't think I had one for the next year. But I think... Um, if I remember this correctly, there was a there was a customer of uh, of Jake Gorles, Joe Stone. Do you remember Joe yeah, Stone? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, I know I know Jake, and I know very few people, and so I end up, you know, hanging hanging out at the stalls, and maybe even stall together. I can't even remember. And and Joe, he was. Super nice people, and so there was a there was a two year old that wasn't that Jake wasn't interested in or anything like that, and so I don't think I had one for next year. But he he sent me that horse, and then I showed up the next year, or maybe I was around there or something like that. But I had one. I had one. you know, skipped a year. Yeah. Then I had one, and then, uh, and then I had a, 
I had a two-year-old, and Joe Joe bought that one, and so I had that. You know, I had the gilding he sent me, and then he bought another one, and so um, on that mare. So, like, let's say three years later, I was second in the limited on her, and uh, yeah, Rob Leach won it that year, and uh, anyway, and then and then from there, just yeah, just just clawed your way up best you could. As she could, yep. Mm. <laughs> Memories. Mm. I'll, I'll have I'll have uh, younger guys or whatnot stop me and and visit and like, man, how'd you make it? I'm like, I don't I don't know. I have no. Idea. I I would love if I could <laughs> hand you a recipe card, but I think that I was I was really interested in it. And if I had to, like, if I lost, if I lost every customer I had right now, and I had to start all over, I don't think I have enough gas in the tank to do it again. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't even know. Especially how. knowing, especially knowing what it would take. Like, no. when you start, you don't really know. No, everything's, everything is from the um, from the beaver tail. To the uh, getting to ride horses for thirty days and sixty days, it's it's all up. Mm-hmm. You're all going up. It's not even so much that you're striving to win the fraternity, win the world's greatest, whatever. It's just this is so much easier than just building fence and yep. you know trailing cattle forever and framing houses and working on oil rigs. And I mean, I like this. Yeah. And it, so then it just becomes, it's not. See, I think that's such an interesting deal. And I think that's what people listening find interesting is because, like I say, in your journey, Russell, you framed houses and you cut firewood and you did this and you did that. And Clayton cowboyed and pushed, pushed hay, hay and, and did this and did that. And... I showed Appaloosas. Started to hearn 27 Morgans. Right. I mean, I mean Clayton did all of this. And so there's, there's so many paths to it. But they're all fraught with all sorts of adversity. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, and how you... I get people... People ask me, like, well, how did you get through the years when you were half a point out, a point out, a point out, a point out, and just year after year... How do you keep coming back and you're not winning anything? I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't, I didn't have any other uh, options. Try, for try me. being, try being 25 points. Out. Well, right. You know what I mean? Uh, and it was I just, know. so my whole mindset when I left the YP and I thought to myself, <clears throat> I'm, I'm decent at what I'm, what I'm doing right now you know they they seem to like me I would I mean when I was working for John Jackson who owns the YP at that time there wasn't anybody there to ride the Colts and so what happens in a in a string of horses I mean we'd have 12 guys in the in the in the spring and in the fall and pretty soon them them horses get a little bit older a little bit older a little bit older and so there wasn't a lot of guys that would 
uh, be willing to ride the young horses. And I liked riding the young horses because, man, them older horses they give me, they were set in what they were going to do. You know, they were tough to shoe. They were hard to rope on. They were going to, you know, they were Hard gonna, to go right, hard um, to go left, hard um, to back up, and they ain't never going to change. And they, but you the know, young one... Yeah, like I could see a progression in them. And so I was happy to do it. I was, I would much rather ride a young horse at that time because at least, at least at some point that horse was, was more mine, you know? And so, uh, I think they were paying me a thousand a month and they'd feed you, you know? And then they were giving me $50 extra a month for every young horse I'd ride. Mm. Well, I just took them all. Load me up. Load me up. Yeah, and it was great. So even when I was like at Squaw Valley, same deal. I'd ride the young horses. Well, uh, Merv Takis, who was running Squaw Valley at the time, if you were riding a young horse, he had an appreciation for it. And the same when I was at the YP. So you got to you got to take two horses in the trailer instead of one. So that meant you worked the ground less, you roped more, you gathered on a, you gathered on one, you got to tie one up at the trailer at the Brandon trap. Then when you got there, you got to get on your other one and you got to you got to rope more. And I was like well, yep. You guys have seen me on the ground. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm very little help right there, and so I'm like, I'm like, well, th- you're gonna pay me more to, to do, do more, more of, of what, what I, I want. wanted. <laughs> so then, when I got to be around, you know that that atmosphere, but then I looked at at some people that were in their 40s and they're frustrated because they're good at their job and there's nowhere up i mean i i look back on it and i i i don't know if this was a conscious decision or not but i thought to myself you know what i'm going to go and try to do something different and if i fail at it i'll just be right back here doing what what i love i loved it so what i loved it yep yeah I, lo- I mean, we, you know, we roped and we rode horses and, and, uh, I mean, we, it's hard we, to, it's, it's, it's hard to explain the enjoyment uh, a person can get out of that. Yep. And, and same thing, Clayton, I, I, I loved cowboying so uh, much. Loved it. But I could, I saw Jeff Ballou who helped me so much in the beginning with my horse training. Yep. Um, as good a cowboy as there was, but it, it, he was um, having trouble going up. Mm-hmm. I knew uh, you had to either start owning the ranch or something. Yep. And I'm not saying that I felt like when I started hanging my shingle on the horse training that I had no idea that I would ever show. I didn't even know what it meant yet. Yep, exactly. But it was enjoyable, and I liked it. Yep. And so I just kind of went that way, and then it turned out pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that there's, obviously, from your history, 
and and for mine too it wasn't like hey there's a snaffle bit for dirty i'm gonna go win it it wasn't something like no. that it it just it just evolved into that yeah because you were getting to do what you wanted to do what i couldn't believe um we rode so many horses for such a short amount of time i mean when i when I got around you and Jake and then started getting into the industry, I couldn't believe it how good the horses were. Like when I worked for Pat Fitzgerald, we I started twenty three head of smart mate colts. There might have been a there might have been a couple of uh, you know, something that he'd bred to out of so maybe they weren't all smart mates. But I mean I'm riding these horses and they're learning and we're three days into it. Yeah. And, and, uh, Pat would come down and customers would come down and I never even, I didn't even start them in a, in a round pin because the way it worked, it was just the lower, the lower cutting round pin, which was, you know, probably, uh, you know, 120 foot or something like that. And so they said, well, you can catch them and lead them to this round pin and, you know, you can, the breaking pin or whatever, you know, and I, I thought, well, golly, why would I lead them? I got off? a fence around me right here. Right here. Yeah, <laughs> so I would saddle them, jip them around, you know. I mean, I would, of course, being around Ray and Tank and whatnot, you know, and and I would saddle three, four of them. I'd flag them around and I'd get and on. Work them off another horse, probably. Yeah, and get on, get on one. I'd ride it around, and then I would take the halter off that one. I'd get on another one. I'd ride around. Well, pretty soon. Um, I'm, I'm done. And, and, uh, the day wasn't, the day wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was work looking back on it now. I probably wouldn't, I would probably balk at it, but, um, but compared to, oh man, compared to run the beaver tail or, you mm-hmm. know, the beaver slide. It, it, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't matter that stuff. Oh, work has never bothered me, but I enjoyed the horses. And I remember one time I had roped with Greg because uh, that's just how I met him, was roping. And uh, I go over there to his place one time, and um, I'm watching him. At the, it seems like one of the first times. He's on the stocking-legged mare that I don't know his name, her name, and no one else does. Yeah, she didn't go win anything, but he's loping her around, and every time he asked her to stop, she made a set of elevens. And I come home and I tell someone, my dad or someone, like, "Hey, I'm telling you, every time he pulled on the reins, she slid. Yeah, in a row. Every time, not (laughs) one and seven." Which I'm trying to get on slick ground. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, how did, how does someone do that? I mean, it was just it was just it was something that I wanted to try to be able to do. Yeah. And her head was not above yep. his shoulders. <laughs> it, it just it just it just made me think there is another level out there. I mean, I thought I could do what I needed to do with the horse. I can ride up a rock. I can open a gate. I can rope anything. But I can't even come close to doing that. And it just entices you to 
yeah. kind of going that way. Even then, I'm not thinking that I'm going to go win anything. I haven't even seen a show yet, probably. But it makes you want to take that next step. Yeah. It makes you realize you haven't even come close yet. Well, I mean, it's still it's still mind-blowing to me because I, I really do enjoy still starting the two-year-olds. Um, you know, I've had... I've had some people that have been really good at my two-year-olds lately. and But what I couldn't believe is when I got around those better horses at how fast the progression was. I mean, it's like, I mean, probably the biggest eye-opener was when, um, so when I was in WIT, working for Joe at, at uh, Flynn's old place, just, you know, Matt Bud Jones it now, but um, that was, that was a bunch, of, that was a bunch of different horses, and then, and then we would ride, we would ride uh, 10 or 11 there, and then we'd go to Lindy's place, and, and Joe started all Lindy's horses, you know, and so I wasn't really, I wasn't really in charge of that, I was just in charge, of, you know, I was just trying to help wherever I could, you know, get on the Colts and Joe would flag me around this, that, the other thing. But when I went to Pat's that couple winters later, I just couldn't believe how trainable the horses were. And, and the things that you would maybe have to work on for two weeks on an older horse or on a horse that maybe wasn't as trainable, the satisfaction of of, I mean, riding these horses around and they got three rides on them and, and you're, you're doing things, you know, I mean, and not, not because, not because you, not because you're better, not because you had a bronc ride and yeah, not because right. of this. I mean, just, I'm like, whoa, this is mind blowing. It, it, it was, it, it, it's staggering. Mm-hmm. The horse flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were talking about those guys sending you all those horses. Yep. One time I had a ranch send me a all, and I thought, man, this is going to be unbelievable. And I had to start with the five-year-olds and work all the way down. Yeah. The first one didn't do it. All he really did was run off. And he was big and heavy, the five-year-old. But it got him turned around, working, sent him off. After that, almost every horse they sent me Every horse bucked. And they had a knack for pawing their head stalls off of their head while you were on them. Yeah. And that's a good trait. Unbelievable. <laughs> and bucking and easier than it kick sounds. At you and yeah. bite at you. Yeah. And uh, hey, you will not, you, I defy you to find me with a, lo- a loose throat latch on my head stall because of that experience yeah. <laughs> I, I i pulled them throat latches up to where they could not pull them things off yeah. it was all you could do but then you were you so you're that's kind of a survival deal and then like you say you move into those horses where you're just shocked at what they can do in a week yeah and that is what's exciting about hey if you can do this in a week what about a month? What about six months? What about a year? Yeah. Oh, and just, I mean, then getting into the show deal where I was, I mean. 
so jealous of somebody getting a set of two-year-olds that weren't scheduled to leave for a year. And then when they did leave, you sent the ones that weren't good home, and then you kept the others for another year, and it's like, it's like, whoa, I can't, I can't believe, you know, the time you get to spend on them. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, talking about, everybody was talking about Clinton's podcast with the gauge the other day, talking about how horse trainers don't charge enough and this and that. But I think that's why it's like, you feel like you're stealing Yeah. at this point, yeah. right? I mean, shoot, you've been riding... 60 dares and this and that and now you're getting paid more money to ride nice horses and yeah hey chris hey who Russell? do you suppose those superstars clayton etzel justin wright sean hayes and the incomparable ken wold go that to, to get isn't their that that feet. tall guy the real tall guy with all nine fingers <laughs> 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 i bet they use triple crown feeds they do that's who they put uh that's who they call to get their horses to the top of their game they are privately owned since 1989 over 30 years solely focused on horse nutrition they don't change their labels their ingredients are stamped on the bag. They don't buy something cheaper and then just change the label and send it to you. They get the same ingredient no matter what it costs so your horses aren't flipping back and forth between ingredients from one bag to the other of their feed. Yeah, and they have a new gold line of products that includes the Perform, the Senior, and the Balancer. The Balancer is soy-free for horses with soy sensitivity. And their qualities... Their products are based on high-quality fiber, fat, and controlled starch levels. Their formulas are all corn-free, and they even offer some grain-free formulas as well. You can learn more about Triple Crown if you visit their website at triplecrownfeed.com and check out some coupons they have to uh, see how you can make it even more affordable to try their wonderful feed. Equimix is a blend of ingredients, including prebiotics probiotics digestive enzymes pre and pro pre and pro nice. not everybody does that it's got them on both ends yep going Organic in and minerals, coming out. vitamins and yeast cultures that keeps those horses straight keeps their bellies straight because their bellies are where most of their immune system develops and keeps them healthy hey to learn more about triple crown feeds you can reach them at 800-451-9916 or check them out on triplecrownfeed.com what would you like? I can remember that moment when I saw Greg stop that mare over and over, and she slid every time. Yeah. Can you remember something that made you think, "Hey, I gotta try to get to that"? I mean, that's something that I can't do, and I didn't really think there was a ton yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, like with Tink or with oh, even I mean, with um uh. Buck or, Buck or yeah, any of them. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a handful of there's a handful of those memories. I mean, I can remember so when uh, back to when I was quite a little younger. I mean, uh, my dad we tr we'd trade horses, but not not trade horses. We would you know Billings was was still, I mean, 
it is a big deal now for sure. You know, the Billings livestock horse sale. Yeah. And so uh, we'd go there, and and this is still when we were living in Sheridan, and we'd go there and and look through the loose horses. You know, very seldom would we ever buy a, a, a riding horse. You know, and uh, <clears throat> it's still one of the only sales that I know that does a loose pin. You mm. know, have you been there? No, I have. I've heard of it, but I have not been. Yeah, so they'll they'll sell the riding horses, they'll sell a loose pin, and they'll sell a uh, set of killer horses. I don't know if that's allowed to say anymore. Oh, whatever. But yeah. I'm about over the political correct crap. Yeah. So, I mean, if you had, say you had a, a, you know, whatever the age was, four or five-year-old gilding or something that... Um, w- hadn't been rode or maybe wasn't very good to ride or something like that and it wasn't just it wasn't just something that went to the killer pin it was something that you know somebody want to ride you know and them horses would bring a tick more and so we'd go we'd go and we'd sort through the the loose pin you know and you'd go out back and you'd see something that 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 looked proper you know kind of i mean had the right i mean there was there was no extra. Hey, so was your dad good at um, confirmation with his eye, or um, you know, because you're talking about looking at loose pins, there's nothing much to see but how they move and how they're built. Yeah, I don't know if it was. I don't remember it ever being broke down as oh the slope of the shoulder and this that the other thing. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of that stuff was just. You didn't want anything with white feet. You know, I mean, you know, no, no white feet, black feet, you know, good, good feet. I mean, that was an absolute must, you know, especially when we were going to use them for what we were trying to use them for. And so, you know, and wither, you know, set of withers on them. You can't have, I mean, you you, can't be around back. Yeah. Yeah. You've been, I mean, you've been around and I mean, a guy using a horse and roping on them and whatnot, they, they got to have a set of withers. They got to have a set of feet on them, and and then you know the rest is just kind of however it however it makes sense. You know, I'm, I mean, the better the neck and the head and this that the other thing. A lot of that's just whatever strikes your eye, you know. And so, um, we got to the point where we'd buy a handful of horses and we'd take them home. We'd try them, and. You know, if something if something wasn't any good, then it just went back to Billings, and you sold it on the same market. You know, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like you didn't really look at it as like, oh, I'm out the commission, I'm out the hauling, I'm out the riding. You know, you just you tried it, and if it worked, it worked, and you know, one out of one out of three or two out of six or however it worked out. You know, uh, you know, you give a thousand bucks for something or twelve hundred bucks in the loose pin or whatever. And, uh, and so my dad was extremely good at figuring out how to get along with a horse and not necessarily, not necessarily in the same, um, realm as like, uh, Tom, Ray, Tink, any, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, at, at a certain point we just had, we just had to do it. Had to mm-hmm. get the job done, you know. What I mean, he was 
he was a cowboy and he was he was pretty damn good at it you know he roped he roped pretty good and and uh you know when you're when you're just struggling trying to make a living i mean you know you you get him road and you get the job done kind of a deal you know mm-hmm. and then uh i mean especially like when we got a little bit more into shoeing horses and and then pretty soon they would they would haul in the the ones that they couldn't get shod you know stuff like that and so i mean that was that was more my upbringing and i think that was his frustration in life is then pretty soon it's like you go and you help the neighbors and you got a bronchi horse and you get through it and you brand the calves and you do your job and they go man you did a great job i got a bronchi horse just like that <laughs> you, you, you know what i mean and so yep. pretty soon you start getting pigeonholed because you don't have the fanciest horse there you have a, a tough horse that you're doing your job on so then pretty soon you get more and more of those types of horses you know yeah an Indian guy told me, you don't want to be known as being good with a bad horse and bad with a good horse yep. because you will have all bad horses. Yep. And, and you're getting around them. Yep. That was my whole goal. Um, and you you probably don't realize it, but that was my goal in leaving Montana and coming to California was I, I wanted to present myself is being able to ride a better horse because um, I was kind of stuck in that same deal as if, uh, if hey, if you got a tough one. Take it to Clayton. Clayton. You got one tough you know? to shoe? Yep. Take it over there, we'll, man. We'll I'm we'll telling you, that's the only place to go. Oh, yours is good. Yeah, take it to so-and-so. Yeah, he's yep. good with it. But that one's bad. Take it to Clayton. It's yep. the only place to go with it. I can still remember uh, we were in Avon, and uh, uh, Charlie. Oh shoot! I'll remember his. I'll remember his last name in a little bit. He brought us a horse, uh, older horse, and they couldn't they couldn't shoe him, and they got one front shoe on him and called it quits, <laughs> and and they. They brought him to us, and, you know, I mean, my, my <laughs> There's dad. There's nothing better than when they show up with a horse with one shoe on and say, yeah. hey, could you shoot this one? <laughs> my, my mom and my dad are very determined people, you know, and they're not, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't determined like, you know, we're just, they just want to do a good job. You know, and my mom's still that way, and I, and, uh, yeah, I remember we, you know, we roped him by a hind leg, and we shot him, and the whole deal, and then when it come time to, to get paid, our, you know, whatever it was, $60 or something like that, they wanted to deduct, the one shoe, the one shoe, and (laughs) it's just, it's disheartening, you know, I can still remember, because, my dad, he's like, well, yeah, you did get that one shoe on there, but, man, the struggle that we went to get the other three on maybe should have covered up 
the the one good shoe or whatever you know and so um yeah yeah it, it, it i mean it was it was tough it was tough yeah <laughs> i remember a guy i was day working and i know at the time i know that he has in his house a big beautiful house has faucets in the bathroom that are gold plated i know that yeah and he comes into my trailer house and tries to chew me on my day work bill yep. yeah <laughs> i just i can see it yeah. like as if he was sitting in front of you <laughs> in front of me like you are right now yeah. and i thought you have got to be kidding me Yep. Used my trailer, my dogs, my yep. horses, and you're going to try to short me on this bill. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things that made me think. I do, I don't know. I mean, day working was fun, and I did love it. Yeah, I loved going to new country and new people. But I thought, you know, you just can't rely on this. Yep. Forever. Yeah. Good way to get started, but. I, <laughs> I gotta step up. I still remember uh, I was I was day working. No, I was living in Oakdale, and uh, somebody set me up with a guy named Chris Lederhausen. And so they had uh, they had a lot of yearlings over there in Dixon, and so I had Brent Brennan working for me. So there for a while. I had I had young young good cowboys working for me, you know, because we we rode horses and then we day worked, you know, mm-hmm. and so I would give them the day work or I would take, you know, I would I would take a little bit because it was my horses, my truck, my trailer, right. you know what I mean. Right. So I would say, okay, well we're gonna get we're gonna get a hundred for day work and you'll get seventy five and I'm gonna take twenty five for fuel or whatnot, and so Chris. Uh, he hired us to go, I think it was Dixon, which was over west, you know, and uh, he had a lot of cattle on the, on the irrigated ground, and, and so, uh, and so it, it was a good crew, it was me and Brant, Brandon, Brant was, Brant was, a, he's, a, he, I mean, he's a cowboy, like, he's, He's good. I I used to work. So the tech, the second time I was at the YP, uh, uh, Shannon Brennan, his dad, was uh, was jigger boss at at the YP, and so Brent grew up in that. You, you know, in that uh, uh, circle. Social, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Shannon was a hell of a cowboy, and Brent. Brent was good. I mean, he'd freaking ride anything and rope. You know, like, when it come down to just doing something, it got done. Mm-hmm. No matter how it no, no matter how it needed to get done, he, it got done. And so we go over there, and, and we're good help. We're attentive. I mean, we have, we have decent enough horses at the time. And uh, we, get, we get done. He hired us to go for two days. He was going to put us up in a hotel. And we'd finish out the second day. And we get done with what was supposed to be the first day. We get done at like 1 in the afternoon. And this Chris is like, man, hey, 
thank you know he was he was he was really appreciative of the help and he said uh he said well what i got for tomorrow is this and and you know he told us what he had for tomorrow and he said i can either uh i can either put you up in a hotel or else we can do tomorrow's work today and be done i said well hell we ain't tired or nothing i said let's let's just do it you know and so we ended up getting both days done in one day and he when we got done he handed me a check for both days and i was like whoa and he's like listen you guys saved me you guys saved me you did two days of work in one day you saved me a hotel he saved me your dinner this that and so he gave me a check that was that was too much in my mind mm-hmm. and i i mean i obviously i still remember it from f- for now you know but like what a guy you know yes. to, to appreciate somebody that went there and worked and and got more done than they than they could have than they had to yeah yeah that yeah. is good yeah you don't see that always no and they're i mean they're great people great people mm. huh. funny what you learned oh yeah uh how'd you catch your thumb off mm. if you guys aren't tired of stories i'll tell you one uh-huh. so uh i was uh I think I did it when I was 20. I might have been, yeah, 20 or maybe 21 at the most. And so I was back in Montana. I, you know, I'd been to Arizona or had a cult starting gig or something. And I come back to Montana. I'm riding horses. And uh, there was a grazing association for Big Nails, Charlie Gravely, uh, for anybody that doesn't know what a grazing association is, you probably do, don't you? Mm-hmm. So a grazing association is where you have a big state or a or a federal uh, lease, but not one person can fill it, and so then there there uh, there's four or five ranches that that fill it, and so then they send all their cows there in the summer, and so. And they're all run together. Yep. On the same. Yep. Yep. And so they're commingled. Yes. And uh, anybody that's ever tried to commingle cows, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's different there's different ideas to all of them. Right. And so uh, and then you throw the you you throw the BLM on top of it or the Forest Service or whatnot. I'm yeah. Some some people will understand this, some people won't. But anytime you get the government involved in anything with friends of the family, yeah, just anything, <laughs> anything, anything. So hey, y'all aren't getting us flagged, are you? No, I no. just walked back in here, and y'all are not, not yet. political talk not for yet. crying Whatever. out loud. Don't be getting us flagged. No, it's this it's is not social. We're, this is a safe space. <laughs> it's it's Bureau of Land Management, not Black Lives. Oh, okay, Matter. okay, that's good. <laughs> So, this grazing association, uh, when they all throw together, there's about 2,500 head of mother cows. 
and uh, takes it, it needs to take two guys, but they want to hire one camp guy, and it's on. Uh, it's just it's just heading over the Helena Pass, and so I got outside horses and whatnot, and so they they say, well, we need somebody take care of the cows for the summer well i mean guy with some horses was he neat i mean i got i got dogs i got horses and so um roping by yourself whether it's for fun or for doctoring is no fun so i get my cousin travis gay uh gettle and i said hey you want to split this uh you want to split this grazing association yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. So we got a bunch of outside horses kind of put together to ride around. And uh, and the camp that they have, there's really no, there's really no corrals. So there's a, there's a horse trap and there's a cabin, but there's really no corrals like to catch horses and whatnot. And so we... A lot of trees, and so we set up. Uh, we set up. I we get a bunch of old lariat ropes, and we set up ropes in the trees. You know, we make a corral, right? And so, because we got a, you know, we got a bunch of just, just young horses, and we run them in every morning, and we just catch, uh, we just catch whatever we can, tie them to trees and whatnot. So about. A week into it, them horses get real smart at crawling between the ropes. <laughs> you, you can you can kind of see it in your mind. So it goes it goes good for a little bit, and then pretty soon, you know, they're, they're downward yeah. spiral. Yeah, it's not an electric fence. It's just a it's just a rope fence. So every morning when we when we wrangle. It's catch whatever you can as fast as you can before they crawl out. Before then they we crawl gotta, out, yeah. Then we got to re-wrangle, you <laughs> yeah. know. So he's got uh, he's got some outside horses. I got some outside horses. So anyway, long story short, uh, I mean, we just we start catching, trying to. You see horses trying to crawl out <laughs> over here, and so we block them over here, and then we catch them, and. Uh, I caught I caught one of his outside horses and I go to tie him up and uh uh you guys familiar with the bowling knot? Oh yeah. Yeah, and I'm left handed, so that's why my left Oh that's why my I knew left, there was something yeah, backwards about yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, so that's why my left thumb's gone because <laughs> I uh I I I was probably trying to hurry too much. And catch the next horse. Yeah, but turns out that horse is really good at pulling back, and I didn't know. And so I just I just tie him up, and uh, I, I, I pull that tail of the rope through, and he sets back, and there's some tension there. And I, I still remember, I, I just look at him straight in the eye, and I'm like, I, he has me, right? And I'm, I'm like, don't you do it. And then he just did it. <laughs> <laughs> he looks you right in the eye and oh, spit on you. I remember I remember that moment like Don't I do just, it. Don't like, like he just he he, he, sat he back, sucked on you. He sucked you back, down. But he didn't pull back. And I looked at him and, and 
I knew he had me, and I'm like, oh, don't do it. And then, uh, yeah, he did. Whack. He, he yeah, put he, all his weight in it. Yeah, he did it. <laughs> yeah, and then it, it, she's gone. <laughs> she's gone. How far did it shoot when it come off? So, um, it's kind of weird when it does it like that. It's a spiral fracture, and then... Because um, that's under your knuckle. Yeah, is it just is, half of the bone right right there? Yeah, this one's they actually um so it never it never completely came off, but it was oh. it was just, you know, the, just the skin hole. Crushed it the didn't bone. shoot off and hit a barrel on the other side. No, that'd yeah. have been a cooler story, but um, <laughs> so that'd but this, more is, of a this is longer, story. This is longer than it was supposed to be. I mean it broke it broke down here and that's what she said. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they took a bone graft out of my hip and made, really? it, made it a little bit longer and then a skin graft off my my uh, arm. But, yeah. You're missing crap everywhere. <laughs> and I'm just like lucky. a robo, like a robo cowboy. I'm just lucky to have made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when was the first time you watched the world's greatest horseman? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um probably maybe the year before I bought Wrangler Starlight for Ty Van Norman and uh decided to show him in it. Yeah. It, it's funny because back then things weren't, I mean, it's not as accessible, you know? Right. Like right, like right now you pick up your phone and you type in uh, World's Greatest Horseman if you have, If you were a casual horse enthusiast at this time, you know about the Snaffle Bit Fraternity. Yeah. You know about the World's Greatest. You know about the American. I mean, you know about the biggest events yes. in every industry right now without working at it. But mm-hmm. I feel like before you had to know where it was going on to mm-hmm. even know that it was happening. Yeah. Yeah, I probably didn't even know where it was going on before I was, I just, uh, so you guys are familiar with Van Normans, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So Ty, Ty calls and says, hey, I need, uh, I need a stud to breed these mares out here. And so... I know he wants a, I know he wants a horse with some lag and some foot and a back and and uh, Wrangler Starlight was for sale. Mm. Um, I think Lacey's had kind of bred everything to him and he was, you know, now they're getting into the daughters of his and whatnot and so he didn't fit. Time he, to move, yeah. Yeah, he didn't yeah. fit that program, so they were they were looking at something different and he was for sale and so. Um, you know, then that's when that's when Ty was looking for a different stud. And anyway, long story short, I uh, I said, well, if you, you know, I told Ty, if you buy this horse, hell, I'll show him at the world's greatest. You know, because he'd been, I think Dougie was second on him or something, and then maybe John Rozier was third or vice mm-hmm. versa. I'm not really yeah. – but he'd been there a handful of times, 
And so, um, and so Ty agreed, and and then I. Uh, oh, this is a funny story, but so I'm trying to do my due diligence in buying an, an older horse, and and I uh, I called John Rozier, and I go, hey John, how uh, how did you like uh, how did you like Wrangler Starlight? Well, you know, you know, he he's a pretty good horse here, and he would do this here, and and uh, and uh, he said, you know, um, that horse is a little funny in the trailer. And so I thought, I thought, golly, this is a picky son of a buck, <laughs> you know? funny in the trailer. I'm like. It's not a trailer loading in the world's greatest. I'm like, man, what a prima donna, huh? So uh, he was down there at, uh, John Ward had him at the place. I think it was, you know, Dar bred him and whatnot. But so he was at John Ward. So I go down there and I try him and, and I don't know what I'm trying. All I know is I'm trying a. You're fixing um, to buy him. And how old are you? Oh shoot! Uh, How long you been showing? Not long enough. <laughs> uh, I damn sure hadn't had anything that I maybe, I maybe no, I've I've damn sure not made the Futurity finals or any finals, open finals that I'm aware You've of. You've made the limited the finals. It's made nice, the but, limited finals. Yep. So, I mean, and. You guys know how. I mean, who tells you to go buy, a, in my mind, the world's greatest horse, right? Right. It's, it's, it's not obtainable. So I'm like, I got one bullet loaded. And, and Russell went and tried to buy one. And we're firing it. So uh, you know John Ward. You know John Ward. I mean, he's so, he's so supportive, you know. So you're out there and you're working a cow, and John's like, Oh, man, that's great, you know. Run him down there and slide him. I mean, of course, I mean, that horse is slide forever. Oh, and he just, and I, I'm in love. And you're thinking, I cannot lose. Yeah, and I don't even know, I didn't even know that commissions were a thing at the time. So that's not <laughs> driving me. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know if I ever got a commission. I don't know if they talked me out of commission. <laughs> don't care. Whatever. I don't care. I'm just excited to have a freaking horse to ride. So... Uh, we go through the process. Ty ends up buying the horse, and then I drive down there to uh, Ward. Uh, what's the breeding place? Ward Dark. River. Ward, Ward River. River Ranch. Yeah, River yeah, Ranch. that's where he's at. And so I have a I have a Featherlight stock trailer, and it's got one divider in the front in case I own a stud. <laughs> <laughs> or you have a customer that buys one. Yeah, yeah, and I lead. Uh, I'm. I lead Wrangler in there, and I'm just, I mean, I'm so proud, right? On top of the world. Oh, it's the best day of my life. And uh, I get him halfway in there, and he whinnies and gets nervous and throws his head up and whacks his head on the top of the trailer (laughs) and runs backwards. Roger says, I told you he was a little funny in that trailer. That damn John Roger. (laughs) 
<laughs> and do you think I could get that son of a bitch in the trailer <laughs> after he'd done that? I got him. I got him so close to in there again. He does the exact same thing, and when he throws his head up, he's far enough out the trailer that he doesn't hit his head. And I was like, I, I might as well be loading a yearling back in Montana. And I'm like, that freaking Rozier. That's all I can think. So I get this sunbuck in the trailer, and he... He really is a phenomenal horse. I, I, I have After nothing, you get him loaded. It's like I caged a lion. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever had a Featherlight stock trailer? Uh-huh. Yes. And Good I mean, I'm driving down the road with my prize new bridle horse. And I mean, this Featherlight trailer is just rocking behind me. And I'm like, holy You should have taken a goat with you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 just about three hours, two hours and forty five minutes from my house. And the whole time I'm just like, I don't know if I made the best decision of my life or the worst. Like I have no freaking idea. And this feather like trailer is just dragging all me over, down the road. All over Highway ninety nine two lanes. I mean, I stopped to get fuel, and and I'm like, holy hell, what did I just do? Transporting pterodactyls. And that damn Rozier, that was the only freak, well, you know, he's pretty good at this, he's pretty good at that, and he's like, you know, he's a little funny in the trailer. I was like, golly, if this is funny. <laughs> Heaven forbid when Rozier says they're bad. Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, that just, it reminds you of the story about Bergen saying, Roche, I can't get him to take the right lead. And Rozier says, well, he prefers the left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I uh, <laughs> I still remember. I mean, this is second, third, fourth hand, but I remember when Teddy caught road. Uh, oh, what was the stud of Rogers that Teddy caught road at uh, World's um, Greatest one year? Give me a minute. I'm old. Russell, you're the encyclopedia. You're supposed to know this. I have no encyclopedia, and everyone knows it. The Bay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, So anyway, Rosie's Rosie's cut out the pause, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> don't make it look like we can't remember. Rosie's back's bothering uh, him or something, huh? Mm-hmm. And uh, the heart of the fox? No, is before that one. It was uh, crap. Wasn't very smart, Remedy. Nope. No. Nope. Nick, uh, something, Nick. Oh, God, he, I mean, he done good on him there, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't do that good. Nobody remembers his name. I, that don't mean nothing with me. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, I'll think of it, but... So... We'll just blurt it out in about 10 minutes. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll just be fine. Come. 
So, so Teddy's Teddy's going to catch right him. I don't know if John had made the finals and his back went bad or if he just sang. I don't know how that all went, but so. Uh, John had some other stuff to do that week. Yeah. So Teddy can't get him to stop. And so he he schools him and he does, you know, points his toes down, <laughs> points his heels up, he points, his, you know, like everything. So he calls Rozier and he's like, he's like, man, I can't get this horse to stop. He's like, how, do, how the hell do you get him to stop? And uh, Rozier tells him, well, do you ever, have you ever just run down there and then just put his hand, put your hand on his neck? And Teddy's like, no, that's the last thing I've tried to do. He's like, I've tried to pull on him. I've tried to do this. He's like, well, maybe just run down there and just, just when, when you think about saying, well, just put your hand on his neck. <laughs> and Teddy's like, I'll be a son of a buck. Whoa. Yeah. 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 I love Roche. Oh, he's my favorite. He he's the best. Unbelievable. Yep. <laughs> the greatest of all time, maybe. His oh, feel so. was so far out there. Oh, like, like how do you come up with that? Yep. How do you come up with put their hand, put your hand on their neck? Yep. Because you know you're pulling first. Yep. Mm. Nah, he's a good guy. So when I go back there with uh, with Wrangler, and where was it at that year? San Angelo. Uh, so this would have been like the year before you had Sly. Yep, it was the year before I had Sly. Yeah, and so uh, it's like eleven, twelve, somewhere in there. Yep, no, that sounds about right. So. And the reason I remember it, San Angelo, for sure, because I uh, used to go out and rope in that red barn out Red barn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I get, I get Wrangler home, and... Uh, <laughs> There's nothing worse than spending the most money you've really spent, and then you're all the way home going, oh, my God. Well, if you can imagine, I mean, I know you guys have been there, but you have literally three to four horses that matter in the barn, right? Literally. The rest of them are just there. At that point, I mean, there might there might have been a mule, 30-dayers, 60-dayers, you know, and so... I mean, you have a couple special horses, so that's your, I mean, that's what you get up and look forward to, right? Mm-hmm. And Wrangler was one of them. I mean, that, I I still appreciate that horse for everything he was. Um, so I get him home, and I get him, he was, he was a lot better when I tried him because he wasn't in show shape. But, I mean, I get this horse in show shape, and I have no idea how to make this horse slow down into to a small, slow circle. <laughs> I mean, I, I try lots of things. And then later on, Dougie's like, did you ever just hum to him? 
I didn't put my hand on his neck either. (laughs) And so I'm like, so I'm loping him around. And I mean, this is a big strided. I mean, he's. Yes. He's like. Cover ground. Cool cowboy horse. Mm -hmm. And so I'm loping him around there. And I cannot. I cannot make this horse slow down because you, you pull on the reins is a, is a sliding stop. There's no, there's no slow down. There's no collection. There's no nothing. You can run him and slide him as far as you want, and you can whirl him as fast as you want every freaking day. But I, as soon as I touch them bridle reins, he come. I mean, Wolf. whoop, stop. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dougie's deal. I mean, it's, hey, pull on them bridle reins. It means, whoa. And so, Dougie says, you ever just home to him? I was like, well, no, I haven't exactly tried that. <laughs> I didn't that. even read that in the <laughs> manual. Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. I so, a... I go home and I lope him around. And, hmm, and he just slows right down. I'm like, <laughs> what in the <laughs> Absolute hell. I have not seen that in one single John Wayne movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, that's your secret? You hum to him. Do you know how many millions of circles I've loped on this horse trying to just pressure in the stirrup outside leg? <laughs> so from that day forward, Wrangler's life was a lot better in my house. As was yours. Oh, man. It was better for him than it was for me. I guarantee that. <laughs> that, that poor he was just mother. sitting on him for them eight million circles. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so... I get him prepared. Of course, I make this deal with Ty, so I just I haul him down there in the same stock trailer that he hits his head in <laughs> for for free because I made I made this deal. Right. You buy him, I'll show him. Not I'll show him, and you pay me to show not him. Not I'm not I. You buy that horse. It's not I will show him for you paying me. I'll show him for you. Yeah, I didn't know there was this thing as charging a hotel fee, <laughs> like like fuel, like hauling, none, none of that stuff. And so... How do these guys afford to be gone from home all this time? <laughs> how, how am I even here? That's, that's what I don't understand. So I get down to San Angelo, and I did have Sly. He was somehow qualified for the hackamore so i have i have him and sly um so i get back there and i'm i'm excited to be there i mean i have a horse that's done well competed well i mean he's best thing i ever rode so we they get me for a switch Switch or a hot quit in the herd work. You got to work hard to get one of those penalties, old son. It's not that, not really. it's not that hard. Not really. <laughs> I think you have to work harder to not get one. Uh, it, was a, it was a hot quit, and it was questionable. <laughs> and so. Political. Uh, I can't believe it. And I they wouldn't have took Boyd Rice for a hot quit right here. <laughs> I remember that red barn out back because I'd been roping on him. And, I mean, that horse was a phenomenal rope horse. I mean, I roped on him in the jackpots. I did every, I did everything. And, I mean, he would stand in that header's box like a freaking soldier. And when you, 
when you went, I mean, this horse would crack hard. Ooh. I don't you. I'm sure you, Russell, you remember Wrangler Starlight. Do, were you oh, ever? I mean, sure. this horse, this horse to this day was the best head horse I ever, ever rode. I mean, he would stand there, and I don't know. I'm sure Dougie had a lot to train him and to do with training him and and Rozier, but I mean, this horse would just stand there and. You rattle the gates. I mean, not a foot would move. Nothing. And you drop your hand, and I mean, it was like grease lightning. And he could stop. I mean, he could stop a freaking mile. Like, he was just up everywhere. And so, get through the herd work, this, that, the other thing, rain work. And we go to that red barn. And it's the it's the roping practice, right? So, I'm back him in there and he's perfect bang first year split the horns just right in the back <laughs> Damn it. and you know you gotta get in line yeah so you're like oh wait shit. so so you know wait another 10 minutes or whatever second one split the, i mean just right in the back of the head boom and, and the horse is perfect i mean just runs up i split the horns and he just drags his ass of course, I got nothing to dally on. Like, <laughs> get, get back Break in away. So fast forward to about 18 steers later. <laughs> I, have not, I have not caught one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, and so now I'm at the point where people are helping me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst point. That's the worst point. I don't Everybody's, know. Everybody wants you to do better. And I'm freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could rope till I drove to Texas. <laughs> I, am, I am freaked out, and I, I don't know how many I run on that poor old horse, but I will forever be in his debt, I guarantee. I'm not even sure I caught one. <laughs> I, I, think would like did. To, I would I like think to think you did. Well, yeah, you're. Oh, look at you all smug over there, because you're on. Uh, you're on slider. Here. I know, but I remember you. I remember this happening. I got so many roping lessons that day, and they're like, maybe you need more spoke. Maybe you need less spoke. Maybe you need a bigger. Pick your loop. shoulder maybe, up. Yeah, maybe you need to do this. Maybe you do that. You're dropping your shoulder, Clayton. So it'd help if you had a left thumb. Oh. <laughs> I don't think three right thumbs would have helped me that day. <laughs> so, I, is there anything more nerve-wracking than the steer-stopping at the world's greatest? No. Nope. No. I. Absolutely not. I mean, I have multiple people be like, well, all you got to do is rope the steer. I'm like, well, then you just you interrupt, yeah. and you just back your sweet ass in the box right there, and you just go at it like everybody else. Yeah. You don't even have to be fast. Just catch. It's the worst. That, that last thing you said, that <laughs> is so important. <laughs> Nobody understands it either. I mean, oh, like, no. oh, big deal. You roped a steer. Deal. Good job. Yeah, thanks. So, so I back in the box, and I'm, I'm still, that was the year they didn't, 
remember how they didn't have enough, they never had enough steers. There was, uh, there was about half as many. So they uh-huh. had to run them back run up. Run them so back. I, so I was in the second bunch. And I drew, I drew this gray steer, and his, his horns were up, small horns up. And he had just outrun. So you know how when you reload them steers, they damn near always load in the same order. First one out, yep. first one in. First one out, first one in. So Teddy, Teddy runs him on the gray horse right before last, last steer out. They drag, they run them up. Here's that same steer. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh boy. And uh, I don't know how it all happened. I didn't break the barrier. I caught the steer and I'm a two. I think I'm a 222. I know I'm a 220. Wow. And I mean. Blind have absolutely no idea how it happened no recollection i mean that horse was so freaking good and i i mean i just wished it on one and it (laughs) it was the it was the greatest feeling i've ever had in my whole entire life yeah i don't know how it's happened but anyway it's how them good runs go you don't really remember them Oh, uh, there is nothing like being sucking in the practice pin of the steer roping and catching in the pin. Oh, I should. I can remember at that San Angelo Arena, I've got a real chance of getting up there, and I go out there on slider, and I think I throw this loop that looks like it's going to jerk a knot, and it comes right plumb smooth off yep to where i don't even start coiling up because i can't even believe yeah that happened yeah and i wind up being third yeah with a miss loop with a miss loop uh, oh you talk about mm. was that mm. first time second time mm. in the middle someplace there it was would have to been the middle someplace if it was in san angelo yeah it was in the middle yeah because you went, you went two of them in Stephenville and one in San Angelo? Well, I think I, um, I think it was two in San Angelo. I don't, I don't know. I remember that loop coming off, though. <laughs> <laughs> Vividly. That's why I always try to rope a neck. <laughs> don't risk it. Go for the brisket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, really, I really try to rope those horns, but... You'd rather err to the neck side. Well, I, That's what Brad Buttry told me. Don't risk it. Go for the brisket. Yeah. yeah. But damn, when them horns are up there and it's just like, hey, I could do that. Thanks, Ben. Hey, how about Ben bringing us ice in cups and brought my Benji back? Yeah, all we got to do is uh, add a little of this uh, habaneros, habaneros vodka. vodka to it and we're good to go. Ooh, Ben even brought us McDonald's. No way! Ben's a champion. All He's right. gone. I, I, I really it's expected. all that harassment over Chick Fil A. I really expected Chick Fil A. Where were we? Well, we were at uh, Ben brought us McDonald's. <laughs> Killed it! Shout out Fort Worth McDonald's. Yeah, and what about Chick Fil A, Ben? 
No such thing. Hey, the you know when you make them sandwiches. So friendly. You know when you make them sandwiches, you can't let the pickles touch. Okay. Yeah. That's their slogan back here. Clayton. If you'd get friendlier, <laughs> you would not have to stay in the back. Yeah. I was, that's what somebody was telling me. They were like, I told them, I said, yeah, Ben got a job at Chick-fil-A. They're like, do you have to talk to people? <laughs> I'm like, well, we're hoping it's going to help his social skills. <laughs> we're going to go uh, petition the management to put him out front. You can wish in one hand and shit in the other, Ben, and see which one fills up first. That's <laughs> what my grandpappy used to say. I've heard that one a lot. <laughs> so, we were... Uh, Wrangler starlighting at the world's greatest horseman, oh, yeah. I believe, is what we were doing. The most intense event of all, the roping. Oh, Simply man. drop your elbow, arm, reins, whatever, and it's put over. the loopy, put the loopy thing around the horns or neck. <sighs> man, it's nerve wracking, isn't it? I don't even know how I opened my hand on the first, <laughs> the first time. <laughs> yep. I've never been nervous roping, ever. And the first world's greatest, I couldn't, it, I wasn't even breathing. Yeah. I don't even know how I let go. Because yeah. it was just clenched <laughs> as tight as it could be. The so only, did you just one. show him the once, Wrangler Starlight? Yeah. And then you come back with Sly the next year? Yes. And then you went on the run? Mm. Yeah. How many years did you show Sly? Um, I think I showed him uh, five years. Mm. Yeah. And one at the fifth? Yes. Yeah, so I think I showed him three years, made the finals. I uh, split the horns in the rope in one year, <sighs> missed it, and uh, and then one at the one at the last year. That's awesome. That's a. That's the event. So was that the? You never answered my question. Was Which that one? the first world's greatest that you saw? Was the one that you exhibited in with Wrangler Starlight, or did, had you seen it the year before? Um, I, I probably saw. I probably saw parts of it because I went to work for Russell, and obviously done really good at it. So. I don't know that I'd ever really sat down and watched. Or hadn't been there in person? Well, again, yeah, the I mean, watching wasn't so much a deal then. You no, know, you couldn't you do it. You had to it. go. Yeah, it's not, to like see you, it. it's not like you clicked on Facebook and right. you had to watch everybody's well, that, run. That's what I'm asking. Because, like I say, cause I, went, I went to the one in 99 and then I never saw another one. Yeah. I knew it was happening. Yeah, I don't know that I ever watched. Uh, I don't know that I ever watched a whole show. Every event. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know whether to be envious of these kids nowadays that are able to see the whole deal, right? Like, and not have to go there, right? I mean, because you can just watch it from wherever. Like, right. If you're only a little bit technical savvy, you can figure out how to watch all of anything that you might be interested in yeah to where yeah and you don't just even everybody have to didn't be, have to you don't even have to be that good at it now i mean it's just you know chc or whatever it is and i mean even trying to 
prepare for a show or trying to figure out when you go at that point, I mean, you just had to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was no, like, oh, looking up the draw and, you know. Yeah, oh, seeing who's in the pin right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, there was none of that. I mean, you just had to be there. Yeah. I'd wait for the uh, quarter horse news to come out Yeah. every two weeks. Yeah. See what happened three months ago. <laughs> yeah. That glossy, thick print. Oh, yeah. It's like the Bible. 12 pages. Back, I mean, back when Russell was doing good, all you had to do was just wait for the next episode or the next edition. Just yeah. look for his. <laughs> Where's them playing cards at? Yeah. <laughs> Look at me, I'm a cool guy. I'm just riding my horse around with no bridle. Circling in the pasture. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's teach that to everybody. That's yeah. over. That's I wonder over. how many people you killed trying to copy that picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, Russell can do it. Yeah. Oh, well, it says right here, I mean, first step is just taking off the bridle and then just... Running around the pastures fast. Point them at a cow and kick them with both feet. (laughs) That'll work. One of the bridal makers comes to me after that. He's like, you idiot. (laughs) Here I am trying to make a living selling bridles. And you're just taking it off. (laughs) Like, no one needs it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I said, that's only on the one horse. (laughs) The one luck. Yeah, that's good stuff. So then, when do we have the kids? Hey, we got all kinds of shit to go through. Yeah. um, So, Weston six. Mm. Yeah, already. Mm. Riley's going to turn, I mean, she's four, but she's going to turn five in... uh, Man, like 10 days or something. I mean, December. So this is just a couple wow. of years. This is just a year or two after, like, what we're talking about then. I mean, because the Wrangler Starlight would have been, what, we decide 11? Yeah, something, something like that, yep. 11, something, somewhere's in there. Because I remember you showing Sly when I showed my first time at the World's Grace was in 13. Yep. And you were showing Sly that year. Yep. We were in San Angelo. Yeah. And so... We, has to be just a couple of years after that, then the kids start folding. Yeah, man, what a struggle! What a struggle between the time you get started and then what a knife fight that intermediate is. Oh, mm. and then to finally <clears throat> to finally break into the open which is either a good thing or a bad thing. Parts of it is it's a good thing because you can finally justify saying this horse isn't enough or you have a barn full of horses that aren't enough and people thinking, well, shoot, if you do a better job, like they could be <laughs> yeah, enough. right. You know exactly what I mean? Exactly right. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, that, uh... And, uh, you know, like, talking about hardship, Clayton, you... I don't know if everyone knows you had a first marriage. Yes. 
and it was a hard it was hard on you when you got divorced and you stayed in the cow horse and you I always thought so much of you for just holding the line because I know it wasn't easy well I don't want this to sound um, wrong or anything, but I mean, once you get into it and you really get into it and you have friendships and whatnot, at a certain point, that's your that that's your family a little bit, you know. And yep. so, um, you kind of you kind of you go to the shows, and then you're off to home. And there's a little bit of security. At the show. Yeah, being at the shows. So it was almost uh, the escape, or it was the go-to from it. Yeah. Yeah, not that this industry uh, is a lack of hardships or different things like that, but it's a, um, there's been an, there's been a number of people that have gone through the same things. And so you get there and you form a relationship with different people. And it's kind of, it's almost like you're there to show and there's a lot of pressure, but there's a bit of a release because you're around. Camaraderie. Yeah. And you're around the, the same, the, the same like-minded people or the people that have gone through the same struggles, whether it's been exactly the same or completely different, but struggles, they, they all know what it takes to get there. And so, I mean, even when I see Chris at the back gate, like, like me during the break, I'm looking at this video and I'm looking at the bubble and you're trying not to, wish bad thing you, you know you're like oh man did he, you're not trying to wish bad things on people because mm-hmm. that's that's our human emotion and i see chris at the back gate and he's he's cheering for any good run actually he's cheering for everybody and so kudos to chris because i mean it doesn't matter if he had a had a good run, had a bad run, had multiple good runs, had multiple bad runs. He's at the back gate and he's banging on the banging on the back gate. Come on. You know, and that's that's what's really neat about this sport. I think it's so um it's so unique in the fact that everybody that's in it and really in it realizes that when a person does good it's it, it can be hard to do good it can be easy to do good but it can be hard to do good damn hard and it doesn't matter who's doing good it's still hard and so anyway that not to not to take it out of the context but well and a little bit of like the respect you have for good cowboys even if they're not getting paid I feel it here in the cow horse where you have respect for good runs. 100%. That's what I... It's not about whether you win or lose. You do the best you can do. And if you did bad, you still appreciate 
somebody who does good. Yeah. And if you did good, you still appreciate someone who did good. Yeah. Because I think at a certain point you realize that it doesn't matter if you did good, bad, or in the middle. There was the same amount of sleepless nights. There was mm. the same amount of practice pins. There was the same amount of trying, you know. I don't think there's a single person, or at least that I would consider being friends with or associated with, everybody here wants to do good. And there's not a single person that I would like to associate myself with that thinks, well, I'm just not going to do good because I don't like the horse, I don't like the owner. Everybody's trying, you know. And so <clears throat> when good things when good things happen, I mean, it's, it's for the same reason, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one's putting less, less effort in it. Yep. You, you realize that when someone does good, I know that you put that much effort, you put all the effort you can and I do and Chris does, but someone else does good, you can't say, well, they got lucky. Nope. No, they didn't. No. Nope. They put the same effort in. Today was their day and you respect. Yep that every came, everything came together for them. But it did not come together for them without effort. Yep. No one wins in this sport without effort. It takes luck also. Yep. But luck will not cover up no effort. Yep. Yeah, no, that's, that's no lie right there. And I don't know how many times I'll tell a guy, I mean, you come out and you're like, holy crap, that was a sweet run. Like, they're like, what are you talking about? I marked 13, 14. I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't care. Like, yeah. that was hard, and you went everywhere you were supposed to go, and your horse answered you. And that was good stuff. Yeah. And, like, I don't care if you end up making the finals or not. That was that was freaking awesome. And you need to recognize to yourself that that was, that was yeah, an outstanding yeah. job. Right. Like, it doesn't matter what those judges put on you that day. Yeah, and it's so hard when you get to – I would think that at this point, everybody here understands penalty points, you know, things like that. And so when you see somebody just starting out and there's a lot of good things in their run, whether it be the uh, the cut and the reining or especially the fence work, but you see that horse participate in everything that they've done, mm -hmm. but they end up with a penalty point or – you know, how many times have we had a good run where, especially in the fence work, hey, we got a point penalty. I mean, Cal run us down there. We're, we're pat, but they stayed hooked, you know. And that's, that's hard to explain to somebody, especially getting started, because they want to judge themselves by the score that's given. Well... You didn't run down there and you didn't you didn't T-bone the cow in the middle of the turn and you didn't do anything wrong. I mean the situation provided something that got you in the penalty box and that's just what it is. But when that the way that horse presents itself, I mean the horse has no idea. It's it's meant to get past center. Or it's meant to <laughs> right, you, right. you know what I mean? Yep. And so when you when you see that happen and just like you're saying Chris and you tell somebody, hey, good freaking job. Good job training your horse. 
and they want to look at the score and go, well, you know, I did this wrong, I did this wrong. No. Good just, job. Just end, end, of the, end of sentence. Good enter job. Enter another one. Yeah. And go again. Go again. And what's changing now, I feel like, I felt like it this year, as I've noticed it as much as anything. Yeah, you didn't do a good score, but people saw your horse was good, yep. and now they're trying to buy them, yep. buy him her from you yeah. that I, I i feel like in the cow horse that was the biggest change i saw at the fraternity this year yep. is that even horses that didn't mark well but looked good in the show pin people are hunting them down yep. and trying to buy them and that is flattery yep. of of such a high level yep. when people who have a good eye know what it takes they see your horse you did not mark that well but they're there trying to buy it they're telling you that they think that you your training and your horse's ability are good enough to go to the open next year and be competitive and that is a bar that is damn hard to meet that is a that is a compliment that you can stick in your hat like a feather and go on with. Yep. And I, I just feel like the level of competition has gotten so high. Yep. And there are so many of us looking for horses that are competitive that when someone comes and knocks on your door, they're not knocking on it because you're, you know, okay-ish. Yep. They're knocking on it because you did a good job and had some bad luck. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a handful of things that have played into that, in my opinion. I mean, look at the look at what the world's greatest has grown mm. to. Mm. I mean, it's projected to pay hundred thousand this year, right? That's what they say. And uh, what what was in it? Fifty fifty nine horses yeah, last right, right. year, yeah. Yeah. something yeah. like that. When when did you ever think and you got you gotta realize like you have a roping event in there. There's been a lot of years when uh there was there was uh twenty eight to thirty six of the of the top end bridle horses. Mm. That's what showed at the world's greatest, right? Mm-hmm. And so the roping limits a limits a handful of them right and so now to think fast forward six eight ten years whatever it is now you have 59 i mean how many is going to be there this year 80 who knows hundred there's a there's no telling anymore clayton because it just it you would have thought last year the year before it was a high number and you thought man that was a cool bubble. Yeah. You know, we'll get back down in the 30s again. Mm-mm. No. Just it'll keeps never, going up. It'll never happen. No. It's no. going. It'll never happen. And and it's been such a change in the mentality of people to take care of those, the good horses, especially when they're, when they're starting to age out. You know, because that, it's always been that, 
that six-year-old year, that seven-year-old year, there's been a, there's been a lull there, you know, mm-hmm. there's not, yeah. there's not a lot of money. And I think the NRCHA has done a good job, especially doing the, uh, two rain spectaculars, bridal spectaculars, things like that. And now it's getting to the point where I'm, I've got a handful of good horses that are that are um, they're good enough to participate at the world's greatest, and so um, I'm going to give a catch ride. Mm-hmm. I mean, when when's that ever happened? No, it it didn't happen for us. Never. Mm-mm. Never. And so, uh, not to get too far into it, but. I mean, wow, what a deal, you know? I mean, when would you have ever thought that you'll have three or four bridal horses sitting at home that are good enough to participate at this deal that you'll, you know, you'll offer a catch ride or, you know, something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love it. Great. And I think, and, and one of the biggest boosts, to that situation and it's taken a while to have it happen to have it come to fruition but is making these derbies such a big deal yeah when i was younger the derbies were nothing it was a fraternity and then it was yeah. horse show world yeah. i mean that, no and money the, and the two rain spectacular Don't well, discount and, then, that. and yeah. then yeah and jay mclaughlin's idea yeah. the two rain spectacular and honestly i it thought was. at the time I thought, Jay, that's not going to work. You can't throw money at a class that won't generate entries. But he was right. When we threw the money at the two-rain, yeah. it exploded. Exactly. And within the NSHA, we've had a lot of classes we threw money at to try to get the entries up, and it didn't. Yeah. The entries weren't there, and throwing the money didn't make them come. But he was so correct on the two-rain. The entries were out there. They just didn't have the place to go. Yeah. And it gave us a year of seasoning them horses and making it um, feasible to go to those events and getting them to where they could step onto the world's grace. It was that bridge between the Derby and the greatest. Because the greatest come out of a Derby snaffle and throw a bridle on and go compete with horses that have been competing That's a low for, percentage shot. Yes. That's a low percentage shot. Not to say that it can't happen. You've done right, good. Right. Well, and I I remember I remember the conversation we were we were in the dock bar room at Reno when it was brought up about uh, the two rain spectacular and that's when Jay was very adamant about mm-hmm. adding money to a two rain spectacular. And it was um, it was a year or two after the NSHA did the bridal horse deal, but they did it on the bridal horse money earnings, and mm-hmm. I and I thought that was the best way to go, and I still part of me, yeah, still thinks that way, but I am really surprised at how good the two rain has done. Me too. Yeah, me too. And I'll yeah. tell you why because I had um, I had a bridal horse that they didn't have a lot of confidence in, and I showed it, and I was eligible for 
the limited or intermediate, whatever you call it, at the NSHA World's Richest. Mm-hmm. And I showed that horse, and I won the. It was the intermediate, right? Mm-hmm. Because yep. that horse hadn't won hundred thousand. Was right. that was that the correct? Deal? So I won the intermediate, and I placed in the open. And from then on, I that, got to show that horse that more. That horse got to go. Yep. That was a big deal for that lady. Mm-hmm. And so I really, um, I really do think that that the the money earned on those bridle horses is is good. I'm. I was surprised that the two range spectacular took off it as 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 big as it did. But I I thought you guys were on a, I thought you guys were on a really good idea. Yep. I yeah. still believe in that one because, uh, but what we were hearing so much was it wasn't so much that the owners were afraid to pay the entries to go against Todd Bergen or Teddy Robinson or, Clayton you know, Etzel. Clayton, who? <laughs> Never heard of her. Clayton Etzel. It was, it was, uh, it was, they were saying, you know, how's my horse going to beat Olena Oak? How my horse going to beat? Right. Um, the, they were naming the horse in the bridle. Not, that's not, that doesn't matter in the fraternities. Yeah. And it's still a little iffy in the derbies. But by the time you get to the bridle, those owners aren't wanting to compete against the horse. And that's why I felt like the intermediate bridle horse for the horses that hadn't had a chance to make themselves famous yeah. there needed to be a yeah, little like at your show philip went second in the open and he went the uh, intermediate yep and i think he won more money than i did yep yeah. and same thing with um us uh, uh, um the black mare and oh for shane stefan shane stefan year before you know they catch that intermediate check and it made him it made them come, but what in the NSHA office, what we had is a ton of open riders that had kind of limited horses and just kind of came to be there and they caught that intermediate check and yeah. they were just like, whoa, this is awesome. Uh, my customers are happy now. I was a little on the fence with bringing this horse, but he caught a check and we're coming back. Yeah, I think my sorrel horse caught an intermediate check. Yep. I'm sure. Brighten everybody's day. Yes. Yep. I yeah, think that's I, a good way. I think that's huge, and I I really do agree with uh, with how you guys do that because same same deal. When that was when it was still at Paso when I when I had some success on the one horse, and it gave that lady the confidence to. She, she, you know, she went, she win the intermediate and then placed in the open. And then it, it brightened her eyes to the fact, because I was trying to tell her, hey, this is a pretty good horse. This good horse, yeah. But she's like, well, you know, it's been passed around. This, I don't know. And, and then when that happened, it put her, it put her in a win spot that even, that if it, if it, if you hadn't had the, the um the money restrictions on it she would have still ended up third fourth fifth or something like that and she'd probably been happy but you know what i mean yes. like customers love a win picture <laughs> yes me, me as a rider i mean Absolutely. the same thing i mean it doesn't 
the the money value sometimes doesn't matter is just being able to tell somebody around the water cooler on Tuesday my horse won something. Yes. And and that and that's huge. That's huge, especially when them horses get to that age because if it doesn't matter where they're participating, if you're if if they're at that age and they're participating at that level, I don't I don't care if they're fourth. That's a big deal. I mean that that bar is set so freaking high. I mean that's just that's just one step here. That's one check check circle in the fence work or something. So yeah, that's a big deal. Yes, and then that horse. When you convince someone that they have a bridal horse that can be competitive, that show career spans. 100%. 10, 15 years. Yep. Whereas you convince them they have a derby horse, two, two years. years. Yep. You convince them you have a fraternity horse, one year. Yep. You convince them you have a two-rainer, one year. But once you get to that bridal, yep. and even though it is brutal and it is tough, we're still talking about 59 horses, not 300 yep. also. So... Yeah, it is way harder, but you have a 15-year span to beat 50 horses, and we hope it goes to 80 yeah. <laughs> or 100 and play, pay lower. But the bridal horses, once you get them into that realm where they feel like they're competitive, I mean, every show there's a bridal class. Yeah. Now we have all the spectaculars, and then there's the, the apex, the world's greatest, and th there's so much out there for a bridal horse. Yeah. And hopefully that makes them... Well, so much more, more than more there money. was just a few oh. years ago. I mean, yeah. it's like a bridal horse. You can look your customer in the eye and say, hey, listen, if we have a nice bridal horse, it's, I mean, it's not outside the realm to win twenty five, thirty thousand 30000 a year on it, yeah. which isn't nobody's getting rich, but they're paying their way. And yeah. it is yeah. some fun. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone watches the bridal. Well, I think what really made the difference, or I shouldn't say difference, but... I think it was a big eye-opener when the Futurity come down here. Well, the world's greatest come down first to Fort Worth. And uh, people, are, people are flocking in there. And they're seeing, realistically, 8 to 12-year-old horses. Some of them as old as 14 and some of them as young as six pro probably not so much anymore i mean i did it you did it we've all done it um but people are sitting up there and they're realizing wow i could have i could have this horse and he's not he's not just a one event horse he can do all of these things and if they're if they're getting to the world's greatest they obviously heard work pretty good. I'm not going to say they cut good. There's a lot of them that do cut good, but I'm saying they're going to herd work good. They're going to rain work good. They're going to rope good. They're going to go down the fence. And people are realizing that there's a life after five or six you know, years old. I've been, yeah. getting, I've been getting a lot of calls the last couple of years. I say a lot. I mean, a few people calling me about taking their cutters that have aged out. Yep. And, yep. hey, do you think he's going to be good enough? Do you think he could yep. do these other events? My, we haven't had any act on him yet, or I haven't. Yeah. But 
but the conversation is starting. Yeah. And I think that that's going to get more and more prevalent as we uh, move forward. I had um, I had a guy, I'm not going to say his name, and I'm not going to say the horse's name, but I had a guy that's, I mean, extremely successful in the cutting, and I had a horse that's extremely successful in the cutting, and they asked me, hey, how long would it take for you to get that horse ready? And I'm like, well, at least a year. You know, you got breeding season, This at least a year to a year and a half. But even the th- even the thought of them thinking right. for the world's right. greatest on a horse that's been that successful right. is, I mean, it, what a game changer. Yeah. Because it used to be, oh. when I was younger, yeah. this event was for the horses that were unsuccessful yeah right in the reining or the cutting and now it's it's getting to a level where and especially even more with like you guys coming to the cutting and all the crossover that's just opening more and more doors it's making us better in the cutting yeah and it's it's helping those horses go both ways yeah no and i think i think that that's a real attainable deal a horse that's been real good in the cutting to, could go to the world's greatest as long as the people would get behind the process yeah. because it is a process and like really and truly if somebody called me about doing that say with a seven-year-old he's out of the derbies now yep if you took him for the year and just rode him for a year mm-hmm. and then showed him as a eight-year-old in the two rain and then brought them back. You yeah. could have a legitimate shot. And I mean, and a legitimate shot, not just being the, yeah. oh, I had one guy that wanted to bring one. And I'm like, well, tell me this. I said, do you want to come and be competitive or do you want to come and be the token cutter that showed up at the world's greatest? Yeah. And I says, if you want to just come be the token cutter, then interrupt and let's go. If you want to be, have a real shot at being competitive, we need to go show this horse for a year in the bridle. Yeah. At least. At least. At least. least. But what has probably changed our perception the most of all is when you go to this cutting horse two-year-old sale and you see the way these two-year-olds are ridden, they're soft, that you go this two-year-old cutting horse sale and there's, there's more horses that you watch that you think could go to the cow horse than not. And in the old days, you would come here and be like, man, yeah, cool on a cow, but yeah. dude, that thing does not love the bridle. It does not love right and left. It yeah. does not lope smooth. And that is not the case anymore. Now, and if they have that kind of a two-year-old program on them and you want to go as a seven-year-old, that stuff is still in there. Yeah. And so it crosses over so much better, I think. Whereas if it was the old, just straight, just quick hand, hit the stop, you can't erase four years of that. Right. Well, I think that says a lot for uh, the cow horse because in years past, <clears throat> these, these high-end horses, they're like, well, I ain't going to take the time to do this or I'm not going to lope them. I'm, you know. And now you start to see... Uh, the cow horse customers spending more money, and so you. To me, this is my interpretation of watching that, watching the two-year-old videos and stuff like that. 
They're showing them loping a little bit. They're showing them doing a little bit more. And, and the ones that they know are just going to be outrageous cutters, they're not doing any of that. But there's a lot of those horses that they're in their mind, they're like, you know what? That cow horse, there's going to be some customers there watching, and right, they're going to pay right. some money. That's what. That's the biggest yeah, change, Clayton. Yeah. We've been coming to the Cotton Horse Fraternity buying horses for 10 years, 15 years, yep. the cow horse trainers. And yep. they, those two-year-old guys know it, and they're like, hey, yeah. this mm-hmm. thing needs to look like it could go either way. Yep. Yeah, if they got a sure bet, you're not going to see that. Right, But there's right. a lot of them that are that are pretty intelligent, and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to show this horse loping around a little bit and show him soft or whatnot, because our deal Cow is stepped up. pay. Yeah, it's stepped up so much that they're it, we're not we're not the stepchild anymore. You know, mm-hmm. we're there's customers out there that are going to damn sure give the money for the right one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where we're going to shift gears a little here, Clayton? But where do you think? Where'd the competitive? Where'd you learn how to compete? Well, I'm still trying to find it, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, were you and your brother competitive with each other growing up? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Roy was always more agreeable to everything. Um, he was always the he was always the type of guy everybody liked him, you know. Um, and he was he was a great guy. He was easy to get along with. Um, so I don't know if I'm I'm a little bit more so than him, but I I. Man, I I like to do good. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm roping or whatever. I do like to do good, but um, as far as, like, doing good in the show horse deal, man, I can remember when I was so elated at a 14. I mean, (laughs) I was just like, yes, you know? And so then when... You got to a point where you could you could mark multiple 14s. I know that's a, that's a strange number, but at a, at a certain point, like I was like, "Hey, a 14 damn. used to be more. It was a little higher up the pay scale, yeah. also." In yeah. your defense, and it used to be, you know, you think, well, maybe if I mark a 14 here and a 14 there, and there's a chance where yeah. I could be an 18 here. Wow, we really got something, you know. And so I remember uh, I remember quizzing Randy Paul. You know, it was on the ra- the rain and, you know, I, I mean, that's all. I don't know if you guys ever struggle with that. but No, 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 <laughs> never. But it kind of got to that point where I could mark a 14, 15, maybe a 16. And so then i get to quiz and randy and i watch the videos and stuff and it's like okay how do i move from a four how do i move from a constant 14 to a 16 you know and so then there's obvious things in your reigning and 
and then it's like you get to where you can mark a 16 and then it's like okay how do i get to where i mark a 18 or a 19 you know and man there's such a difference between you when you get to where you can mark an 18 or a 19 to mark in that 20 or a 22 you know and it's just a lot of work i don't care i don't care if you're if you if it's your herd work you're cutting you're raining your fence work you know i mean sometimes the fence work can just show up and things can go right you know but man it's a lot of work it's a lot a lot of work seems like that event is the one where especially is ignorance is bliss Mm-hmm. Like it seems like it's a lot easier to mark a 19 down the fence when you first start, and then you go through a while where you <laughs> you like yeah. can't mark a 13. <laughs> I, I think it's so hard yeah. because <clears throat> this is just my take on it. Anytime I have somebody that's helping me, and I've had I've had good people help me, and I've had poor people help me not but there's so many people in this world that don't know how to read a cow at speed and that's such a i mean i know both you guys can do it but if you if you think about it there's so little jobs that require that anymore you know so there's there's less and less people all the time. And I think about when, when, you're, when you're in the moment and you're doing the fence work or whatnot. I mean, how many times, you know I, know, I know Russell's done it. I know Chris has done it. But how many times have you done that exact same thing and you had a rope in your hand or you're trying to just, you're just trying to hold something up or create a wreck? You know what I mean? Yep. And and I think that there's less and less of that all the time. And those those situations are are getting narrower and narrower, you know? And so I don't know, I find myself comfortable at things with speed and fast. So I don't know. Does that does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, it does because the more money that gets into the industry, the more people you have going straight into it and they're and they're not spending the hours of unpaid monotonous work. Yeah. yeah. That really all that's going to happen is you miss that read by an inch or two and you're going to get your ass chewed. Yeah. There's no glory to it. There's only downside because if you hold the cow, they kind of That's what you were supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Nobody's come over to slap you on the back. Someone might come and try to whip you with the rope. (laughs) 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 You know, and I don't. I hope that we don't start changing the rules to fit the people that don't read it. And yeah. I mean, I don't see it yet because the cows can be fast and they'll just make a fool out of you no matter what. Yeah. But you have to respect the people. I go go and judge a show one time in Canada and this John Swales comes in there on 12 separate heads of horses 
12 separate horses in the Derby and the Faturity, and he messes up on one. Yep. The whole day. Yep. And there's, and the cattle are hard. Yeah. They're damn sure hard, and I'm not a big one for giving new cows. So I happened to be judging it while I was watching. And it made me realize that there's all these people struggling saying these cows can't be worked, but John Swales works all these cows and the one he messed up on, he knows he messed up. Yep. It, it was his mistake that turned it before the marker. And the still the run so good that he's still in the seventies, just not where it was. And it, it, it just makes me realize that, Hey, you can't, there's a whole pin of bad. There's a whole there. All the cows are bad. <laughs> yeah. So the guy that can read them can step yeah. up, but you know, that's from just, repetition yeah. repetition that's for messing it up <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that's what's so unique about the cow horse i mean you know we're here at the cotton fraternity and you know you sit there and you watch uh so many cotton runs and you you watch so many great hands in the practice pan and and but there's something unique about the cow horse that you have to understand how how a cow runs. How I mean, Don Murphy turned me on to this and I'm not saying I learned it, I'm just saying he turned me on to it. But years ago, four or five years ago, he'd come to the house and and uh and he's like uh he watches me go down the fence and he says well what are you uh what are you doing in the boxing i said well i don't know i usually just box till somebody yells at me go <laughs> you know and and then he's like he's like that boxing is so you can train the cow you train your horse train the cow Feel your horse, train the cow, you know, however you want to put it. And uh, I'm very comfortable running at speed with a cow. That, that doesn't bother me. And I think that's the first thing that somebody that's getting into this has to be comfortable with. I mean, when that horse, at a certain point, whether it's... Uh, whether it's a controlled run or an uncontrollable run, not uncontrollable because your horse is uncontrollable, but because the situation where you just have to turn that horse loose and say, let's go do this thing, you have to be comfortable in accepting that. Would, would that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, man, there's just... There, there's not that very, there's not very many opportunities for a person to do that anymore, you know. And so that does, that does concern me about the cow horse, especially as we get uh, to Vegas and we get to to here in uh, in Fort Worth and we get in these smaller pens. You know that it wasn't quite so obvious when we're in we're in these big pens in Paso and yeah. Reno and. And I'm not saying it's any less difficult. I'm just saying the read's a little bit slower. But, uh, I mean, I think 
Chris has done as good a freaking job as I've seen anybody do in that small pin with really strange angles. Yep, incredible. But the other thing that bothers me a little bit or worries me a little is is just the society itself is having a hard time accepting defeat. And you and I are talking about hours and hours and hours and hours of reading Cattle Cowboy, and, and Chris comes from a horse show background. Yeah. But he's never, his mindset isn't, hey, the cow wasn't fair to me. He sees good runs, and he says, I'm going to be that good. Yeah. I'm going to figure out how to work that cow. Yeah. Because he came along a while ago. As old as he is now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, we can't, there's no, that mentality, Chris has the same mentality that there's no cow stepping in that pen I can't work. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to have as an industry to go forward and keep making the cow work better. You can't just say, oh, that one cut in front of me. Yeah, yeah. well, it cut in front of me because you're too far back. Yeah, that one cut behind me. Well, it cut behind because you're too far forward. It's yeah. that damn simple. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it. And I think, and that, I think that's where I was going earlier too with just the different paths. Because I say, I mean, I mean, the only cows I saw, I mean, come through a rope and shoot till um, yeah, nineteen years old. Yeah, and good for you for, I mean, being as successful as you are, you know? You know, like, I just was I mean, I wasn't around them. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. It was, like, just wasn't part of the culture that I grew up with. So, I'll tell you a funny story. So, um, the year that I had uh, Betty Sparks and I had uh, Shining CD Light, there was a couple other ones, I I'll probably get cussed for not remembering Ooh. their names, but I had the big I'd, gear. Yeah, I had I had four of them really good horses, and this was their three-year-old year. Mm-hmm. And so I know I need to get out of my realm, and I need to figure out what to do. So um, Todd Bergen's always been, I mean, extremely good, you know. And so mm-hmm. he invites me up, and so we we go up, and and I'm. Uh, I'm working them horses, and we go to, uh, over there in Fort Klamath, we go to, uh, gosh dang, I'll forget the name, um, but we're, we're doing a pre-work, like a herd work pre-work, right, mm-hmm. at uh, Craig Boyd's place when he worked for, uh, when Mike, uh, oh shoot, was still alive, he passed away last year or something like that. Mm, yep, 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 yep. yep. Um, and so, so I go to Todd's, we go to the, we go over there to the fort and we work a few days and then we go to Brasada. And so, um, so when we're over there at, uh, Craig Boyd's place, we run in fresh cattle every day. I mean, it's outstanding, outstanding situation, right? Ground's good. Everything's good. Craig was awesome. And so, uh, I mean, we we run them in, we settle them, just like I mean, it's it's just like herd work day, you know. There's a hand, there's a handful of people around there, sit in the corners, turn back, the whole deal. And so, um, my mindset at the time was, 
I'm going to go in there and I'm going to, I'm going to, as logically as I can, I'm going to pick a cow out and I'm going to cut it, right? So I work a few horses and then Todd works a few horses, Craig works a few horses. And so I'm sitting there talking to Todd and, uh, He's like, well, you know, when when during the saddle, I've seen this one, it did that, and this one, it did that, and I'm I'm like, okay, uh, and he's like, when I when I walked in there to cut, I I saw that this one did that, and so I knew that I had to I had to be over here, that I had to be a little long, you know, and he's talking me through this run, and I'm like, I'm like, man, and what I what I come away from that visit is that guy has taught himself how to work a cow in a completely different manner than I've ever even thought about working a cow. Cause I would go in there and I would, I don't even know what I was thinking. There was maybe no thought process, you know, in my mind, I'm, I realized at the time, okay, this one's a little wild. This one's a little numb. This one's this. And and Todd had broke it down so much that he has a read on every cow in the bunch. And I was like, man, what a way to what a way to think about it. I mean, I'm I'm still coming from that mindset of I'm I'm a I'm you know, I'm a bit of a cowboy, and so like I'm just gonna go in there and just try to hold the cow no matter how it is. <clears throat> And Todd comes out, and he can go through a laundry list of, well, she stepped like that, and this one stepped like that, and he's telling himself all the way through it, like, I need to, I need to make sure I'm over here. I need to make sure my horse is doing this, and it opened my eyes into something like what we were just, what we were just talking about, like you've taught yourself to read a cow in a completely different manner than I'm talking about Chris, a completely different manner than you've taught yourself to work a cow. And so I just thought it was, I just thought it was really, really interesting that, um, you can, you can sit down and study the situation and you can come out of it with a completely different point of view. Mm. I mean, I'm just going in there, and I'm like, well, I just I think I need to cut that one. And I have no idea why I think I need to cut that one. <laughs> and then you go back there to the back gate, and Todd's like, well, why'd you cut that one? Because I did this, and I did this. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I just think it's interesting in in the different ways that people get to figuring out. Cut that one because I like the striped ones. <laughs> You striped know cows. I love the striped cows. I know. Cows. I can't help myself. <laughs> but you know but, what I mean? Yeah, it's all the effort. There is no easy way. you yeah. got to put the effort in. Todd's yeah. putting the effort in. We're putting it in. But it makes you realize, hey, he's putting in a little more effort on watching that herd than I was. Yeah. Then you start thinking, hey, I'm going to put some more effort in watching the herd. Yeah. Like, yeah, and you're, and you're cutting a cow because it feels right. Yes, meaning Russell, and I'm cutting a cow because I don't know why, it just it just felt right. And then I don't know if I'm going to 
group you with Todd or not, but you guys have broke it down maybe a little bit more. You've taught yourself to to think about the situation, and it's like it's like man, if I if I could do that as well, if I could take that feeling of what I feel from the cow, and then I take an educated guess at what it's going to do, what a, what a big advantage. Yes. Right. I know for me, watching the cows, people ask sometimes, and I think it's silly that they ask me <laughs> what I'm watching for in cows, and I tell them, like, really, this is just nervous energy. <laughs> it's all, it, all going to be how it feels when I get in there anyway. But like I say, I do want to have the best, the best idea about what I'm looking at when I walk down there. Yeah. You know, but then, uh, I don't know, I'm much to my herd help's chagrin, I'm pretty quick to punt most of the time because, uh, <laughs> I, you know, we'll have a plan until I cross the timeline and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a punter and yeah, I wish I'd have punted a little more on my first horse this week. <laughs> Because I was like, well, we're at the cutting. We can't punt at the cutting. Yeah. We're going to cut cut that we liked. Yeah. Whether it's in the right spot and whether I do it right or not is, you know, irrelevant. We're just going to cut that cow no matter what. And, yeah, it was, what they say, it was a defining moment and the definition was shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I asked asked my guys, I said, hey, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm second to last in that bunch. Uh well, maybe if there's a couple reruns that look like that. <laughs> they looked at me like, oh, we don't do reruns in the cutting. I'm like, oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> I watched one get cut three times today in the fourth mm-hmm. set. Mm-hmm. Successfully, <laughs> successfully three times. Yeah, it's a, you know, and that's, so I help Matt Cook. Matt Cook helps me. And people are like, well, why doesn't Matt come sit in the cow box with you? I'm like, Matt's going to do what Matt's going to do when we get down there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, we're going to know him so we have an idea. If he if he happens to mention something to us, we'll have an idea about what he wants to do. <laughs> but it's probably not going to happen anyway. Yeah. And, yeah, we're going to know him for him in case he browns out and tries to do something silly. and be like, hey, talk to me, Cougar. <laughs> come over here. We're cutting on this side. But... For the most part, he's going to do what he's going to do when he walks down there. Oh, there's just something. There's just something so exciting about that fence work. You know, <sighs> I mean, just. I mean, when you when you leave that corner and you feel your horse and you have confidence in your horse. I mean, that's obviously the biggest thing. And you see the stride of that cow and your horse is matching the stride of that cow and go ahead big boy you know there's just something right there in the moment that i don't think that it's i don't know it's hard to, I don't it's think hard you can to get learn. anywhere i don't think you can get anywhere even in life and death stuff that i've been in the thrill of the fence when it's going good is it's just epic yeah it's just it's so epic and it is so engrossing when you come around that corner and you know that you trust that horse yeah and it's going fast and you there's no crowd there's no nothing it's just you 
And that horse against that cow. Yeah. And the speed is irrelevant. But the more of it there is, the better it is. Yeah. Because if, if, there's, if there's not enough speed, you can start hearing the crowd and you're waiting on everything. But when it's, it's to that level, it doesn't have to be like insane fast, but it's got to be fast enough that you are so tuned in for those inches because that's what's going to make the difference in it. Yeah. Yeah, the only time really <clears throat> I feel like I have to tune anything out down the fence is sometimes boxing because maybe you know you're in a situation to where you need to be down here and just get a hold of your cow a little more. And you and that's the only time I will run into it where I'll hear the crowd like, come on, you got to go, you got to go. I'm like, hey, I got it. Mm-hmm. This ain't my first rodeo. Yeah, I'm going to go when I need to here. And after that, I don't really think much of it, of the crowd after that. But, but I will have to, I'll have to control, I have to find a way to control myself and not just what I tell people is don't listen to the drunks at the back gate. They don't know when to go. Right, right. Yeah. They don't know when to go. They're at the back gate for a reason. Yes. You know, they're in the stands watching these finals. Remember that. that oh, you know. I used to have so much, I mean, I had so much confidence in that. Ski Toke Peppy, you know, and I'm sure, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys have had great fence horses, you know, um, but I don't know why. That was a great one. Oh, I love that horse. And uh, they would kick a cow out, and for some reason in the back of my mind, I would look at the cow, and uh, usually my horse was engaged, and I would tell the cow, I'm like, you poor son of a bitch, you don't even know what's coming. You don't even know what's <laughs> no, coming. No, it's coming. <laughs> what a great feeling. Yeah. Yes. You know? <laughs> and I've and I've tried to put that on multiple other horses and apparently the cow did know it was <laughs> But I mean just the confidence in that horse when they would kick the cow out and and when it was the wilder it was, the more I liked it. Mm-hmm. You know? Especially if they come to you oh. and they're hitting you and they're hitting you and they're hitting you and they give and you're like, oh, it is over now. Oh. Yeah, that's it the worst over. thing. The worst thing down the fence if a cow comes in, turns around, and licks the back gate. Ugh. That's yeah. the absolute worst scenario yeah. that could happen. And yeah. then you're trying to get it to move and trying to get it. And to then you finally move. drive it and then it squirts out in the yeah. middle of the arena and throws its tail up yeah. and you didn't think it was going to get out of a trot. Yeah. That was irritating me. Man, that's so cool when you're on a horse and they just kick one out and you're like, you. There's no, I can, there's nothing you can send in here. Good no. luck. Good luck eating tonight with a broke neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing you're going to get out of this deal. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's fun. <laughs> so let's shift gears a little to, uh, you never did tell me how you learned to compete, but whatever. <laughs> Man, I, I'm so, still trying. It's yeah. born. I'm still trying. It's born in him. Well, I'm just trying to get information for people that don't know if they were born with it or not. Did you ever think no. of that, Russell? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I, how about I, hunger? 
What about getting ready to about show? feeding that uh, half defrosted chicken to the dog. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you a story about getting competitive. And um, I, I think that I spent so many years being the owner, the trainer, the trainer, and the rider. And I tell you what, there's nothing that makes you more competitive than sitting there after you've had a decent run and watching people beat you by half a point. <clears throat> and those half points, they might mean $1,000, they might mean a $5,000, but when you're the guy checking in out of the office, signing your horse in and out, to me, I think that was a great way to get started because, no, it wasn't a great way. It was the only way I knew how to get started. But, man, when you gotta, when you got to show up the first day and you got to write a check for your entries and you got to sign out of that office, I don't know. At a certain point, you just have to make a living, you know? And so I can remember... Uh, Sly is Skeets Oak Peppy, his four-year-old year. I was uh, fourth at the Derby. And I'm early on in them. And I go down the fence. And good fence work, big first turn, cow falls down. I don't knock him down. Just cow falls down. Horse is, horse is perfect. Cow gets back up, run. And they review me, and they mark me a 20 or a 20 and a half. And so I'm leading it for quite a while. I mean, I mean that was a huge deal. I mean, I'm maybe still in the – I don't know if I'm still in the limited, but I'm damn sure in the intermediate, you know. So, I mean, hey, I got a lot of stuff to pay for, <laughs> including my show blanket, my final <laughs> show blanket that I – Jewed him down to half price because <laughs> I couldn't afford it at the time. But, um, and then by his, by the time it's all said and done, I'm fourth, fourth win the intermediate. And when you sit there and you're and you're like, and you go over your run and you're like, I could have done this better. I could have done, I. And and I remember every half point was five thousand dollars. By the time, mm. by the time it just do, 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 got do. to you, yeah. And if I remember, if I remember correctly, I was fourth by two, two and a half, three points. It wasn't, it wasn't a huge spread. It wasn't like so and so beat me by ten points or whatnot. And so then, when you sit down and you watch your herd work, could I have been a half point better there? Yes. Could I have been? a point and a half better in the rain work. You know, I mean, that's what, to me, that's what drove me to do better. And I don't know if I would have, if it wasn't the, if it wasn't the money background, just the, just learning to be competitive and not, I, I never want to, I never want to lose. Mm. I'm never unhappy when somebody else does, does good, but Man, I don't like to lose. I hate to lose. Yeah, losing lose. sucks. Ugh. Absolutely. Oh. Losing sucks. And I tell you, that's a, 
I don't know. You gotta gets a lot of practice at it though, because you don't win. Oh. You, well, you lose a lot more than you win, so you get a lot of practice at it. Unfortunately, yeah, I mean, no matter how good you are, you get a lot of practice at losing. There ain't nobody that. There's nobody ever in this game, in any game, really, yeah. that's won more than they've lost. Yeah, and and losing maybe in, sucks maybe in boxing, maybe after. in boxing, things like that. Because there's lots of. I mean, you maybe. know, there's a lot of guys that. You know, I mean, the guys you know, like recording one or two losses on 30 win, 30 knockouts or whatever it is. But, I mean, baseball. I think you know. there's a lot of stuff they don't show in <laughs> boxing, early fights. <laughs> they don't count those. Yeah, yeah, right. A lot of not counting. But losing is even harder after you've won. Oh, when I... Uh I mean that that sorrow horse, Skeeto Peppy. I mean, I I had no idea what that horse did for me. I mean, I had an idea <laughs> right in the moment, but kinda, but, but you, not as much as when you look back. You're like, holy hell! You know what? I I give three thousand for him, and he is a yearling, and I train him, and and you know you you think you have a good horse, and then you step into the show pen, and all of a sudden things start to go right, and you're like, whoa, this horse training deal ain't that hard. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what everybody's talking about. You I know? have suddenly gotten better. <laughs> and so then when that, when that dries up, and I've been, I've been fortunate to, to catch up on some other ones, but, man, it just, it, it's just mind-blowing what – a competitive horse will do for you, you know, and I don't, I don't have to tell either of you guys because you both have had multiple, multiple competitive horses, and the feeling that you get in there when you, when you know you have the horse under you is, it, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Yes, it is. Oh, what a cool, what a cool deal. So hard to find the ones that truly want to win. And they're not always the ones that feel the best. Nope. No. No. But when you get them ones that want to win. Yep. And it's so hard to tell, explain to your owner, like, this is a nice horse. Yeah. But he ain't got it. Hey, what about starting out that way, giving you empathy for the owners later in life? Um, I think it, I actually do think it was good. Because especially in the beginning, when you have a person with means and they say, well, I don't know about spending this much money. And at least you can, at least you can say, listen, I've never had as much money as you. And I've, I Spend did it. it. I, I yeah. did it. I went, through the, I went through the deal. And I think your horse is capable of going on and, and he's, you know, he's good enough to go show. At least, at least I tell myself that if I tell a customer of mine, yes, it's, you know, he can go show that um, I've, I've went through it. So I'm not, I'm not telling him for, for no good reason. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen it from their yeah. viewpoint. 
Yeah, and I doubt most of them have ever slept in the nose of their trailer. (laughs) You know what I mean? So if they want to, if they want to get too upset about something, I'm like, listen, I've been there. I've checked out at the office. I've signed the checks. I've, I've waited around so I could get the check to cash the check before they cash my check. Right. So, so I could get home. Mm -hmm. Been there. Oh, I drove to Queen Creek the same time you had old uh, Sly there. I had that Rambo. Me and you both made the finals in San Angelo. Yeah. I think that I don't know, might have been both of our first world's greatest finals. And anyway, I drove this horse out there to Queen Creek. It was the year they had the EHV outbreak and the Derby was rescheduled and put in Queen Creek in the fall. Yeah. And so I drive from Whitesboro, Texas to Queen Creek with – my mom's bridle horse in a four horse trailer. Yep. And I drive out there, I get in there and sleep in the nose of my trailer and we get up where I cut the next day and I lose the first cow. Oh. They don't have an open bridle class with it. There ain't no go rounds being paid, like oh. over and done, right? And I'm like, Well, I don't I guess there's I guess it's still like it's probably the only horse show I ever packed up and left. But it was strictly from a financial reason. It was there was no sportsmanship issue to it. It was just I can't I can't recoup. Stay. I can't yeah. recoup this. So I might as well just go home and at least get a jump on the rest of these guys for next year. <laughs> yeah. But man, that was that's a long drive home from Queen Creek, mm. Arizona. Oh, uh, so I can't remember where uh, me and Justin went, but it was it was Texas. I can't remember if it was for. Uh, it might have been San Angelo. So he's got a couple horses. I got a couple horses. I got a truck and a trailer. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, hey, I don't know if I got enough money to go down and back. And he's like, I got a fuel card from a customer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, we're in, right? So we take on some hauls. We do some, di- I mean, we do everything we can just to get to the horse show. This is so stupid. It's just coming out of my <laughs> mouth. Like, what would possess a person to do? <laughs> like, we're taking on hauls just to make enough money to get there to participate in the hopes that we do good <clears throat> and hope we make it back. <laughs> so... We get the halls. We get down there. I don't remember either of us doing good. (laughs) There was some fun had. And we're on the way home. And uh, he's got a CFN card. And every time we stop, hey, and we're, we're broke. I'm broke, I know for sure. And we get to uh, we get to Indio, and I remember it's about it's it's eleven fifty at night or something like that. It's just before midnight. We pull into the CFN, declined. <laughs> declined. Hey, we got nowhere to go. <laughs> like we, 
we have literally no funds. I maybe have $50 cash in my pocket or something, something like that. And I'm like, um, what do you think we should do? And so he's like, um, so he makes a few phone calls and, and he's like, uh, let's just wait till that till midnight because that CFN card doesn't allow you to charge so much a day a day <laughs> and we just we just sit there it's, it's not it's not crowded not a lot of people there nobody's honking the horn behind us and uh we give it a few more minutes than just after midnight and it's like 1205 and he sticks that card in and yep pump pumps ready oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. And we just get on home, and we get to stop at McDonald's or whatever with my $20, and we got food, too. (laughs) What? How dumb was that? How dumb was that? Mm. The the gut-wrenching waiting for the credit card to clear. That sucks, man. I, oh, I hate spe- that. Especially well after dark has yeah, fallen. Yeah. In the yeah. middle of nowhere. What what kind of profession would drive a person to go that far? To mm. just you know, horse training, apparently. Let's just tra- let's just Yeah, because I mean that's not a unique story. I mean, it's a good story. Don't get me wrong, but it's not unique. Oh, I understand. Like, I yeah. mean, it's music. Those people live in the yeah. car all the time. <laughs> <laughs> At least they sing about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me and Bobby McGee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Well, what can you give for pointers? Okay. We've done a lot of philosophical talk. What about some practical, <laughs> some practical show prep techniques? You have, I mean, what do you do? You have any? I mean, the what's the buzzword these days? Uh, oh, I can't even think of it now. Mm, that's a buzzword. It's a buzzword, <laughs> exactly. No, just the, with all the mental preparation and everything else that everybody likes to talk about. Nowadays, that we get messages about all the time. What? Habanero? Haban- no, not habanero. God, Russell. <laughs> Just with the, the all the mental work. I mean, do you do any mental work? Do you do anything to keep yourself lined up? How do you get ready? I mean, looking for flow state, things of this nature before you horse show. Oh, boy. I don't know. Um... Man, I think you just, uh, at a certain point, you just have to believe in the horse you brought. And, you know, if you if you feel good about what you brought, then you just, you just have to show that horse. And if it goes good, you know, you've you, you done a good job. And if, you, if it doesn't, you just have to make, uh, adjustments otherwise, huh? Well, right, right. But as you're getting that horse ready, I mean, do you use any visualization tactics or 
imagery or meditation or anything. Uh, Mindfulness. That was the buzzword I was looking for, mindfulness. Mm. I was not going to get that one. You weren't going to get there. I'm I'm not saying I don't. I just don't have anything that comes to... Not consciously? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get sentimental, but uh, I really... I think of my brother a lot, you know, because uh, we kind of started out on this deal together. Yeah, and and I mean that was that was a big goal for both of us. You know, we thought that we thought it'd be cool to be good at something you know and so uh i think i think of him quite often i'm not saying i think of him every time but i think of him quite often and and i tell you what i mean i just you know my family and the kids and the wife and and what this industry i mean it's it's brought something to me that i never thought would be possible you know so I mean, it's pretty cool when I get home or whatnot, and and if you're lucky enough to get your picture in the paper or make a magazine cover or something, you know, and and the kids the kids see that and they recognize you. I mean, I mean that's all that's all pretty cool stuff, you know. I mean, I never thought that I would be, uh, I never I never thought that I would be recognizable, you know. So that that means a, that means a lot to me and just the the pure gratitude for being able to be in a position that uh somebody would you know look up to you or want your opinion I guess. Mm. Well we really didn't hit on that and I was kind of feeling it out seeing well, how much you want to talk about it but uh speaking of your brother like say he had well, terrible We weren't going through this without it because yeah, uh, no. because when that happened with you and Roy, yeah. for the people who don't know, Clayton lost Roy. Yeah, and and they weren't very damn old. Yeah, uh, wasn't long after my place, I don't think. But to, th- my heart hurt so bad for you and him oh. and that deal, and I don't know how you got through that. I just don't. I just. I just don't know how you got through it. Not that you got through it well at all, yeah. but because we've all had some people we lost, but I just, that was so hard. Oh, and that, your guy. brother was. Oh, he's a good guy. Wonderful human being. Yeah. Um, I like him way better than you. You're not the first, the first person one to say that. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've got to be friends and stuff, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, like uh, it can send so something like that can send so many people down the wrong road. Yeah, and I uh, and you dealt with it and became mature. Yeah, through it instead of you know becoming a drunk or something, which would be easy to do. Yeah, yeah, um, not saying. <laughs> Drinking is not drunk. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, he was such he was such a likable guy. I mean, everybody everybody seemed to like him, you know, and he was everybody's friend. And so, 
I've really tried to think about all the positions that I've got to be in and been put in and whatnot. And so I thought, you know, maybe I should just be a little more like him, you know, because I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of crowds. Uh, I don't, I don't do terrible in them, but um, I'd just kind of rather be by myself. And he seemed to like, you know, people around him and whatnot. And so every time I get to feeling awkward or get to feeling in a strange situation, I just think, you know, I should probably try to put a combination of us forward, you know. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's silly or or whatnot, but um man, he was just he was just so good at getting along with everybody, you know, and everybody really liked him and and uh so for me I just when I get to feeling uncomfortable or something like that, I just think, man, and uh I think I think of him a lot. Yeah. It never goes away. No, it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. Yeah. He, was a, he was a very pure soul. Oh, he was so good. He was so good. And uh, my uh, my cousin Stacy, she put a she put a picture on Facebook the other day that uh, of us when we were kids, me and Roy, you know, and and. Uh, Golly, I just think about, I mean, we had no idea. I mean, we had aspirations of being something to talk about, you know. And so every day when I'm fortunate enough that somebody wants to talk to me or about me, I just think that, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Well, that guy was... Sometimes you think people see people that are winning like you have been doing good, and they're like, oh, yeah, that guy's ain't never had no problems. I'm telling you. Oh, man. I know Clayton Etzel. <laughs> He's been through some stuff. Like everybody. Like everybody that gets yeah. up. You know what I mean? Everybody's yeah. got a story. If that's one thing the podcast has taught us. Well, that's it right there. There, yeah. ain't, no, there ain't no easy trail to all this from eating, uh, waiting on the CF card to <laughs> go through and so happy you have enough money left for McDonald's <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Or Chick-fil-A. Oh, they probably didn't have Chick-fil-A then. Not no. that far west. <laughs> no. That's the Lord's Not chicken, there. old son. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's it. And I think I think that's just a, you know, an interior struggle that everybody has, really. You know, I mean, just thinking that, well, I can't get there because of this or that. And. Everybody out there has been through the same. I mean, if it's not identical, I mean, they've been yeah. through equally tough stuff. I mean, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a problem. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, you know like not saying, everybody has a problem, but there's, all, there's people, there's a lot of successful people that have had a worse problem than you. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember, I don't know if you were around it when, if when you were around, Nigel was still at Greg Ward's. Do you? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so Nigel is a two-year-old starter at Greg Ward's and shoes horses, and he's born with one hand. Yep. 
I, I think I, of I Nigel so much. Yeah, very vividly. He had the tiniest little figment of a finger off of one side of the nub. Yeah. That was, I mean, there was no, like there was no palm even. Yeah. Right, Clayton, just a little bit of a, and it was of no use whatsoever. He, I, I take that back. He had the tiny bit of what looked like the palm there. And he trained two-year-olds at Greg Ward's. It, where they don't very, even, very he, good, Greg didn't even, uh, he was unreal. Yeah. And they did not even really teach him to stand still to get on. And he was top-notch there and yeah. shod horses. Yeah. You go, just, just, just think about shoeing horses when you can't hold that and set the nail and, and drive it. Yeah. Didn't mean nothing to him. Mm-hmm. So all the time I see these people that have both hands, both legs, and can't get work. Can't get out. I of think of Nigel. Can't get out of bed. Can't can't get out of bed. Yeah. Can't yeah. go do nothing. Can't be successful at anything. Yeah. That guy was something. Yeah. I mean, still is somewhere. Yeah, I haven't heard from him for a while, but. Yeah, really good when he was there for sure. Mm. When was this? I never. I don't think I ever met Nigel. Oh, it was around uh, oh, when God. Clayton was in the. So yeah, Glenn was there, and uh, and there's there's a bunch of them. Wayne was probably gone, but I don't, I don't know if Joe was. I'd already, uh, Joe had already probably left my house by the time kind you came. Kind of mid-2000s, probably. Yeah, uh-huh. probably. Yeah. yeah, well, if Clayton was there 18 years ago, yeah, it was um, somewhere in that. Yeah. Yeah, mid-2000s. Heck of a hand. Mm. Never complained. <laughs> it was unreal. That guy was such an inspiration to me, and no one even knows his name. Nigel, hit us up on Cow Horse Full Contact so we can <laughs> interview you. And I mean, could like make a cotton horse, make one. Well, I think that's what's so neat about, uh, you know, for me, it's been the NRCHA, and and I know for a lot of people, it's been the NCHA and the NRHA. You know, I mean, we go to these deals and. You're in a you're in a like-minded group of people, you know, and and it's uh, yeah, like you guys say. I mean, everybody's got their own deal while they're there, and when you're there, there hasn't been a single person that doesn't struggle to get there and do good. And so when they do good, I mean, it's a it's a it's a big group of people, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, I know I think about Roy all the time, and I didn't know him that well. But I know that you just don't. I don't know. For me, I grew up an only child. And like the guys I get to be around doing this week in, week out, or whatever, I mean, it's like my family, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like my chosen family, really, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. So, not, to, not one you're stuck with. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know. I know. I just feel super fortunate to be able to part, be able to be a part of it. You got lighter, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we might need it. 
You coming to Texas? Uh, I'm doing my best. He's in Texas, Russell. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, you trying to start rumors, that's Russell? That's not coming to Texas. I'm not coming. I'm just breathing hard. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that. <laughs> <laughs> or not. It's fine. <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, well, I think uh, just tick outside Mineral Wells, Chris Cox's old place. Cool. Yeah. Oh, damn. Right there in the neighborhood, we can, uh, y'all have to be driving down more. We'll have a permanent cameo guest on full contact. Nice. Yep. Well, you Absolute. guys. Absolute. You guys took forever to interview me, so I thought I'd have to move down closer and maybe get. Now you can uh, stop the escrow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Are you buying it or moving for somebody or what? What the hell? Well, did you sell? Um, let's see. Well, so do you understand how difficult California can be? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. I figured it out a while ago. Well. <laughs> This is the first time I'll ever say this, but you were smarter than me. <laughs> Maybe the last time I'll ever say it to you. But. Hey, I've only been married once. Yeah, well, <laughs> good, good for you. You figured that out the second time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. That's two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, did you sell California? Uh, no. Are you going to, or are you just wasting it? So, we kind of figured out that, uh, well, we had some things change in California, and um, so I kind of figured that the best way to... You don't want to give the kids a shot? Not even a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a little bit. So we we were kind of looking at some places and whatnot, and and uh, I mean that that you know it takes it takes time to do it, and so uh, the last thing I wanted to do was kind of lose uh, some time with the horses and whatnot, and and uh, confidence with the customers, you know, and so uh, then uh, I I'd, I'd originally talked to uh, Chris about you know, seeing what he was doing with that place out there. And so that was during the, our snaffle bit. And, uh, he said he just, he just closed it. And so I kind of didn't think much more about it. And he called me maybe, uh, two and a half, three weeks after our original conversation and said, Hey, the people that bought this place they're uh, they bought it for an investment and they're going to sit on it. And, and uh, it would be for for lease for rent, and so uh, yeah, I've kind of struck a deal with them, and and uh, all th- all through Chris, I mean Chris has been out- outstanding at at uh, kind of helping get the introduction and everything like that. So yeah, cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so we're excited, very excited. Well, you got a great store across the street from you. Jesus, outstanding. Shout out Cheese and Pedenville. They got great breakfast sandwiches, 
Hamburger. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Another reason to come see you. Yeah, hash knife, <laughs> hash knife, right there also. I, Open Wednesdays to Saturdays. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. No. Yeah, we'll be neighbors. Eight miles. Oh, I, I'm aware. Hey, don't <laughs> back out. That don't mean you can back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no. what about when will the wife and kids be joining? Mm. I hope soon. Um, it's gonna. I think it's gonna take a little bit to get. You know. Find somebody that wants to move to California and buy your house? Well, I don't think that'll be a problem, but oh. just the, oh, just no the kidding, that is crazy out there. It's silly. it is crazy. It's silly. I mean, uh, we were uh, really fortunate to buy a house that's right there in town and in a good neighborhood and whatnot. And so, I don't think that'll be a I don't think that'll be a big issue, but just taking time to transition, buying a place in Texas, um, there, there's quite a bit to it from what I understand. So um, we kind of we kind of broke it up into two parts. You know, let's let's get the let's get the business moved down. Let's get the horses moved down. Let's find a place where we're not going to lose time on the horses and then give us time to sell the house find a place that we you know we want to live in texas and 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 kind of go about it that way so so you're going to buy your own house and then just train out of that place well so um so when we started looking at making the transition it it uh we could find you know the cow horse is, is is difficult because you have to have a you have to have a cutting facility and you have to have a reining facility and then not uh, that hard to find one or the other hard to find both. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then a lot of stalls, housing, the whole deal, and so it seemed like looking at it, we could find parts of it. You know, so we could find this place that was. Um, nice cutting facility maybe enough stalls maybe not and then it needed a rain and pan or you know there was things that we found that we liked but there was gonna there needed to be add-ons and so um so then that's when we kind of decided okay let's get let's let's find a place where we can get the business moved down there, get it up and going, give us time to sell the house, and then find a find a place that we will that we like. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And if we got to build something or we got to add on to it, that uh, that we can do so without putting a strain on the on the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we ended up doing. I mean, the place we bought was a cutting place, and then we added a big arena, and I think we added a few stalls. Yeah, and but it was pretty close. Yeah. But it was hard to find. Oh, man. Really hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that when you first take a glance at it because there's a lot of places that, that you know, yeah. strike your interest, and then you kind of have to, well, do I want to live here? Do I want to live there? Do I want to add on to that? Do I, you know, and so... Um, yeah, so I just kind of want to get up and running in the business. 
That's awesome. Yeah, oh, that's cool. You know what we haven't talked about is what it's like to be be married to, to a cheers sensational it's, cheers at Chelsea. Yeah. Media social media influencer. Well, I don't know if you guys have ever been married before, but it's, <laughs> it, it's complete bliss. <laughs> it's complete that bliss. That is exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Took the you, words out of my mouth. Well, if you guys think she's funny on video, I mean, she's twice as funny at home. <laughs> I believe it. Oh, man, she's a laugh a minute. I've seen it, but mostly we're making fun of you. Like the time we were going to get the cardboard cutout of you for the wind picture. <laughs> what did I win? You didn't. Uh, yeah. Did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds more relevant. Yeah, and you weren't there for the wind picture. Do you not remember oh, that? Do I need to that. refresh? Oh, that? yeah. We need to phone a friend for this one. <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. You guys. You're welcome. Don't mind calling Chelsea. Maybe we could get her in on this. <laughs> if you guys haven't beat me up enough, maybe you could just call Chelsea. <laughs> now, I actually had to defend you to her because it felt like it could just spiral into a bad deal. Negative, negative spiral. <laughs> it could be That's a negative term. spiral. Like, oh, yeah, you should have seen him running <laughs> on his horse. I was trying. Yeah. I was trying. I, he just, he said he watched you and didn't think, eh, no reason. Uh, could we go back to the original <laughs> question? Please? I don't like where this is headed. <laughs> hey, you know what I don't have is I don't have my book of questions. <laughs> oh, well, I can help you. Ben? What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Oh, my 20-year-old self? 20. Oh, just go on with your bad self and just, I mean, just... <laughs> don't, 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 don't lose that confidence and do not get in the horse training. Yeah. Keep training 30 days. Yeah, everything you're doing... Don't you're, be a fool. Yeah, everything you're doing, you're, you're on the right track. Mm. Well, I just stay the course. What is your greatest accomplishment? And marriage and kids cannot count. No marriage and kids, greatest compliment. Um, accomplishment. Accomplishment. Um, man, I don't know. So would that be like... Uh, like something in the horse show deal? Yeah, whatever. Whatever be, you're most yeah. proud of. Whatever you're most proud of. Family excluded. Yeah, well, just can't use the kid thing. Wife thing. Yeah. I'm sure that's where you were going immediately. But other than that. That was where I was headed. Thank you for uh, deterring me. Um, I will say this. I did not realize especially at the time, but I did not realize what uh, a label that the world's greatest horseman puts on you. And I, you'll, Russell, you'll understand. And, but it opened, good luck, Chris. Uh, <laughs> 
That's why this needs to be videoed. That was hilarious. <laughs> but <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that because there's so few people out there that understand what it what it is to win the Derby, the stakes, the snaffle bit, the prefaturity, the Hackamore classic you know all the stuff that that is um maybe not harder to win but it's just it it it's the same type of accomplishment but for some reason when they know that that you have a title the world's greatest horseman it it appeals to everybody and it appeals to people that are horse people. It appeals to people that know nothing about horses whatsoever. And I had no idea that uh, that that title or whatever you want to call it would stick with me as as much as it did. I remember in the win picture, I come in, I come and like congratulate you, and you say, "Hey, so jokingly, so does this mean I'm going to get all them sponsor deals and this going to break them doors open?" I'm like, "It will." <laughs> it, it was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable, huh? Unbelievable. It, from yeah, yeah, and you've done it three times, so I, I mean, and I, it, it's so funny because it. People come at you from such a different angle than inside that that area. Would you would you yes, agree with that? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's an incredible title to win. Yeah, it seemed it seemed when Scott Clark came up with it, it was audacious. Yeah, and people are like, "Hey, I mean, really, world's greatest horseman? That's a. I mean, what about the jumpers and the?" dressage guys and the, you know all them people out there and i mean that's a little much but that title th the words of it mean it when you say that you can say it in a cafe in delaware yeah I'm like oh really yeah hmm you won that <laughs> i mean it's a little bit of false advertising maybe but I don't care. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll take it. And I'll, I'll damn sure, I'll damn sure take it five That's... years from when I done good. So. <laughs> absolutely. I'll meet, I'll meet people that have absolutely nothing to do with the horse deal, and they'll be like, "I know you. You're the world's greatest horse guy." Yes. And I'm like, "Yeah, I actually kind of needed that today." So. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, there's something about that that uh, that resonates with them, and it's it, it really is unbelievable. That's cool. It was incredible. Yeah. So going along with that, if you had to win another event Ooh, that you have or haven't you, won, would you rather? What would be? What would be? Yeah. Would you rather win the world's greatest again, or would you rather win Snafflebit? You've not won yet. Yeah, you haven't won Snafflebit. No, I would. I mean, I would. Me personally, I would absolutely love to win the Snafflebit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably one of the highest sought-after accomplishments you can do in this sport. And uh, yeah, I mean, that would. Yeah, that would mean 
absolutely a lot to me. It's funny how that's. There's Back only one. Front. There's only two answers. Well, there's that, only two answers, really. There right? really is. There's only two answers to it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the one event you would want to win? It's either the Snaffle bit or the world's greatest. And he's won the greatest. Right. But don't get me so wrong. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be hurt if I did win that world's greatest <laughs> one more time and was second at the Snaffle <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Especially how, what's the Snaffle bit going to pay next year? Didn't we have some more added money to that now? 400000 <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. I'm just <laughs> putting that in the universe. Yeah, not three eighty for a second. I feel like it should pay at least a half a million for as much work. <laughs> that's a lie. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to win last hole every freaking year for the last four years. So, I mean, if they would just bump that bottom hole up a little bit, I would just be okay. 50 grand, something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, at least you're consistent. Yeah, no, I am super consistent at that three <laughs> If you ever bit. get hooked on first, just wham, wham, wham. God, can you imagine if I got 24th? <laughs> <laughs> that would be super, that would be super exciting. Well, I think it pays the same as 25th. Hey, I'm aware. don't feel bad. I've been... Uh, I've been announcing it for at least that long. <laughs> There's only one way you get that job. <laughs> Man, maybe that's... I feel like you're maybe not my rabbit's foot on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've changed everybody else. They kicked Doug out this year. Old truckers love it. Doug Mathis wasn't up there with you this what year. What happened? What's I that don't know. Hey, you'd be the one to know about that. I don't, I don't, I don't speak to these things. Oh, I was so excited because you were going to ask him about his truckers love it endorsement. I, of course. And he didn't show up. I think they heard. Must have. <laughs> they heard. Try to keep it appropriate on the air. Um, what is your lowest point in your career? Lowest point. Man, that's a tough one. Lowest point. You know, I'm going to say, uh, I don't know if I got a lowest point. I mean, I, I feel like I just started at the bottom and I've just luckily <laughs> just kind of just wiggled my way up to. So day one. No, it was I, not. It, that's not true because you. Oh no, that what you were. No, you marked in the. Didn't you win the do good in the limited at Reno, yeah, on the wrong but, horse? But I loped off on the wrong lead in in uh, Fresno, my first horse show. Oh, so there it yeah, was. Yeah, I think I think maybe that was it. Mm. Well, that's a terrible answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, what about, did you listen to uh, Clinton Anderson's podcast on the gauge with Chance Conrado? I listened to part of it, but I didn't listen to all of it. I was just kind of interested to hear your take on some of the stuff he uh, discussed about trainers not charging enough. I thought there was some really good stuff. Now, if people want to go listen to that, be forewarned that it's not for the children. Yeah. But uh, but there was some uh, good information on there. I, I was... Uh, yeah, really good information on it, I thought. 
Um, if I had to comment on that, um, I don't know. I, I mean, there's struggles every day, right? But at the end of the day, we're getting to do a job that we wanted to do for a long time, you know? So I don't know. There's a lot of people stuck in an office building or this, that, the other thing, and they're not, they're not super happy with, uh, where they're going. And they're, I mean, they're just watching the hour clock go by and it's, you know, I mean, they're making a hell of a lot more now than they used to, but, um, I don't know. It's it's a pretty good life. It it ain't bad, you know. It ain't bad. So, um, I'm just excited that I get to do what I like. Yeah, I guess. You know, yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I know there's a lot of guys that, and I don't know that I was that aware of it until a year or so ago. Talking to a guy that. Oh, he kind of lives out on the fringe a little bit, but he does a good job. He comes, he makes a lot of mixed finals, yeah. stuff like that. And we're just discussing the business model, and he's talking about, dude, he's charging like $800 a month. Yeah. I'm like, I can't feed one in cows for that. Yeah. Like, how in the world are you, you know, making that happen? And so I talked to a few other people, and there's more people than I thought that were in that boat. So I think yeah. that that was a little bit more of maybe the uh, demographic he was speaking to in that deal. Mm-hmm. But there again, I mean, like I say, uh, I think uh, I think sometimes we fall into – I don't know. I feel like me and you are pretty like-minded about stuff, and so we're pretty like feel – pretty fortunate and blessed to be able to do what we love to do every day but at the same time i think sometimes that makes us maybe not value ourselves quite as much yeah as what maybe we should you know because yeah. i don't know so i was just thinking too clay you no know, <clears throat> like starting the starting the horses and maybe not just sticking with the 30-day deal but yeah. getting to ride horses five months or so and having them people that are happy and not being on the road and not if if I couldn't have shown if all I could do is just ride I think I could be happy doing that too yeah especially if you had never gone to these levels yep you know if you just come from feeding in the winter and doing all the hard stuff and you just got to ride horses for 5 months and people were really happy and you didn't have the you know the the showing there's a lot of overhead sure that you could charge less if you weren't doing that yeah and maybe the the people that are doing that are the two-year-old guys the sale guys in the cutting horse which we don't really have in the cow horse yet i think it's coming someday i think it's going to be harder but they don't wouldn't have to charge as much because they don't have to go down the road all the time. They go to the few sales they have selected, and they don't have to keep up that that constant flow of winning horses. Yeah. So the motels, the food, the the trucks, the trailers, the insurance, the help, 
a lot of that stuff plays into having to charge more. And like you said, it's what you enjoy. So there's a lot of people making a living there that aren't unhappy. Maybe they don't have the chances to make as much because they're not getting to sell the horses for as much down the road. But there's a, nut, there's a window there that's a decent living. And there are those people that we have a lot of respect for, like Tinky Lordi, that don't have those titles. Yeah. We've all met those people. Yeah. That helped us out. Well, I think, um, I think when you really step back and look at it, <clears throat> so, so people are paying you to do a job, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so they're paying you to train a horse. And it's, uh, it's very rewarding when they do pay you to train a good horse, especially, you know. So when you have a barn full of good horses and then you're able to select the horses that you, you think you can go and do good on. I mean, I know that there's years when maybe you're not, you're not forced, but you feel the obligation to go and show the horse for the customer or whatnot. But when you look at it, Say you look at it as just a horse trainer, right? And uh, people have sent you those horses and you have them for more than likely two years. And then you go show them and they pay you to be on the road. They pay you the, the truck and the haul and whatever you want to call it. And then there's a day fee, there's a hotel fee, there's everything, right? And so then if you do good on the horse that they've paid you to train, you get a percentage of what you win off of that, whatever it might be. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's 50%, I don't know if it's 20%, or I don't know if it's 30%, whatever it might be. So... At a certain point, you have to realize that, golly, somebody's put enough confidence in you to give you a horse, to buy you a horse, raise a horse, whatever it might be. Put it in training, and you're going to train it for two years. And then if you say, you know what, this horse is good enough to go, then you're going to get a hauling fee, you're going to get a day fee. And that's not why we do it. I mean, obviously. But then if that horse goes on and does good and then you get a percentage of what it wins i mean man that is uh i mean it's it's pretty unbelievable in my mind that you can uh you can have that sort of business you know so mm -hmm. i don't know no, I hear you. Yeah, you know, that's that's a good way to look at it too. So I've heard I've heard people tell me that uh, trainers shouldn't get a cut of their winnings. And to that, I replied, "Man, I've kind of come up in the horse show deal, and like you could watch. There's guys that go to the fraternities every year, and you know what? They ride them horses in the middle of the day. They don't really put any effort to go out there and do anything extra to get them ready." Yep. 
and the guys that are winning seems like they're out there late at night, early in the morning. They're wrapping legs. They're icing horses. They're yeah. not sleeping much, you know. And those are the guys are winning. And the guys that aren't, you know, they're just kind of happy to take a fraternity horse every year, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so that's kind of. If I don't get percentage of the winnings, you're not going to like my day fees. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 But no, that said, I mean, that's a good point. Like I said, I mean, because that is, that's where we make money. I mean, that's what we're incentivized to win because, yeah. like I said, that's one thing about the way the training rates are now. You're not making any money. I mean, shoot. Yeah. You can charge $2,000, $2,500 a month, and you're really not making that much. Yeah. I mean, it's all just a dollar trade in business until you go to winning or selling. Win and sell. What yeah, is. And I don't think that. Uh, you know, it goes both ways. I don't think that a lot of customers think about how much time and effort we do put into a good one. You know, when we realize that we have one that we do think we can win on, we're not we're not trying to win on it because we're thinking, oh man, a third of thirty thousand or a third of fifty, whatever, whatever the you know the yeah and so you're out there trying to do the best job that you can possibly do and if you get your name in the paper that's that's outstanding and so uh yeah i i I do i do i see it both ways for sure what's the most or one of the most five uh, most important five minutes of your life that can be something someone told you or something that happened that just plays over in your mind. It's a quick little thing that you think of a lot. Man, I listened to this podcast enough. I should have known that this question was coming. Um, um, you want to know something that really plays in my mind is uh, I... I don't keep to I don't I don't like to keep bringing this up but um when I win the world's greatest for some reason that whole week I had an idea in my mind for some reason it just felt right everything felt right everything fell into mm-hmm. play right you know and so I made the finals I knocked the I knocked the herd work out, I knocked the rain work out, you know, and, and uh, caught in the rope, which was a miracle. And uh, I'm going down the fence, and uh, they blow me a new cow. In the moment before they blew me that new cow, there was a spot in my mind where I, where I thought to myself, I'm not going to win this. It was the strange. I. It was the strangest feeling I've ever, I've ever had. So when I went in there for the fence work, I. For some reason, and it it wasn't like I told myself that over and over again, but I knew. I knew I was going to do good. I didn't know how good I was going to do, but I just, I and I don't know why. And uh, I go down the fence on the first cow. He runs me off little bit in the center and uh, I was running alongside that cow and I thought to myself oh hell 
I'm not going to do good. And it was, it was so strange. And then they, boop, boop, blew me a new cow. And I stopped, you know, you, you get stopped. And the next one, I knew, I knew that I maybe didn't deserve a new cow 100% in my mind. Like I, I told myself, I need to do, I need to do better. And so, uh, and so I just whacked it a couple times and went, you know, and it all worked out. But it, it, it was the strangest feeling that I've ever felt that whole week. That whole week just came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say like I knew something or, but it, it, it was weird. And on the, on the ride home, because I went down there uh, with Justin, we rode together, and we got in the car, we got in the truck the next morning, and we're driving, and we spent a couple hours driving, and there was a little bit of conversation, but there wasn't a lot, you know? And he turned to me and he said, you knew you were going to win that, didn't you? And I said, I never told... I never told anybody that, but for some reason, I had that feeling, and I have no idea why. Mm. It's not because I was the most prepared. It's not because I felt like I brought the best horse. It, it, was, it was the weirdest thing that I've ever felt. So, uh-huh. I saw that in Lance when he won the fraternity two years ago. Was it two years ago? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I just I saw it in him. There sometimes it's just it's just there. Yeah, it's it was, not it's not it's not a mental. It's not you train yourself into it. It's nope. just it's just right there. Oh, <laughs> don't worry. I've tried to talk myself into yeah. the same situation multiple times again, <laughs> and it was hadn't worked yet, eh? Yeah, and. It w- it was strange. You can't fabricate it. No, nope. no, and and it's not like I it's not like I wanted it to happen. It was I don't. It was it was the goddamnedest thing I ever felt. Mm. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And I never told nobody about it. And then and then Justin, Justin saw it. Yeah, and then Justin like we're just driving home. And he's like, you knew it, didn't you? I'm like, well, I've never told anybody this, but. <laughs> It it was strange, it was strange, it was super strange. That's, so that's a fun event. What's the other one, Chris? I don't know. I don't have my pet folder. Oh my god! I've I covered, just wrote them. I don't I've remember. I've covered eighty percent of it. Yeah, Ben. I think that's everything, right? That's the good ones. Those are the good ones. The rest are fillers, not on. Those, the rest of them are for the conversations that we're like figuring out how to get them to an hour. <laughs> how long has Clayton been here? <laughs> have, we, have we been here an hour yet? Yeah, close. Just barely. Close. Just barely. <laughs> this is why we don't have YouTube, Ben. This uh, Full Contact Plus isn't going to have auto video on it, is it? Good. Beautiful. Thank God. I'm not photogenic. Yeah. Don't forget to check out this week's sponsor, Triple Crown Feeds. You can reach them at www.triplecrownfeed.com. 
Well, Clayton, like you say, thank you so much for joining. Oh, it's been sure. an honor to have you, and uh, thank you guys. appreciate your time. Phenomenal. Your openness. That uh, yeah, it's been really cool. So uh, yeah, shoot. Well, here we are from uh, from NCHA headquarters. Yeah, shout here out the, to the NCHA for giving yeah. us room and time. Yeah, Silver Spur Room. And uh, yeah, you still got your Benjamin. I know. Ben didn't use. And the Clayton's pen. still got his hamburger that we didn't let Ben eat. <laughs> I got one left. One left. So all right. Well, till next time, people. Go fast. Make good decisions. Thank you for listening to Cow Horse, Full Contact. Please like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram to stay tuned for future episodes.